back to another episode of the All Music Is Good podcast. The podcast that takes a deep dive into four recent releases. We get right in there to try and work out what's great and sometimes not so great about each one. This week we'll be looking at albums from Ariana Grande, The Putbacks, Yachty and Quakers. But before we get into the episode, let me say hello to a man who has no doubt continued to drive around on his temporary donut spare tyre between episodes, even though they're only rated to last a week and be driven at speeds not exceeding 40 kilometres an hour. He is without a doubt a menace to Melbourne roads and a potential fatality in waiting. It's with those sentiments that I welcome my esteemed co-host, Arik Bloomer. Arik, welcome back. Hello, Waza. Thank you for the uh, uh, wonderfully um, endearing intro. I... Um I uh, I do have a bit more updates on in relation to what's going on with my car. Um, just to put your nerves to rest, I did end up finding a tire um, to replace the donut spare. Um, it it took good. it took a long time actually. So I mean, you are correct in so much as I definitely drove a lot on the donut spare. I actually went on the CityLink, um, which was completely illegal. Um, <laughs> but but since then I've uh, I, don't, I think I'm not sure if I mentioned but um I bought well I've ne- I haven't had air conditioning in my car for like five years so summertime gets really 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 grim and uh you know it's a muso's life Eric it is the muso life I mean it would be I'd be hard, you'd be hard pressed to find any muso with air conditioning in their car but um <laughs> I uh I I've been I've ha- I've had this like ongoing narrative with my mechanic these guys are called precision motors in brayside um which is Mm -hmm. also like 80 kilometers away from my house i don't know why i go there i'm just sort of like in like (laughs) i think in seinfeld um george once had a mechanic which he just couldn't leave um that's where i'm at with rob and dan from precision motors but anyways um they basically like the compressor shut itself and it's going to be 800 dollars to replace this has been an ongoing chat every year i'm like hey so like maybe we can look at the air conditioning and they're like well we told you last year it's gonna be eight hundred dollars it's gonna be eight hundred dollars this year it's now nine hundred dollars (laughs) right so i got some great news um in my search to find a tire to replace my donut spare i uh i just was like i'm gonna just google i'm just gonna ebay search compressor um, for Ford Fiesta 2006 air conditioning unit, <laughs> and there it was for 300 bucks yeah. instead of 800 bucks. Wow! So it's currently at the mechanics getting fitted, but they did notice when they were taking out the air conditioning something else. And my, the mechanics yeah. they like to talk a lot to me. Um, I've just been away on holidays, and Rob called me and was like, "We've got the blah 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 with the blah 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 happening," and blah blah blah. And I was like, that's cool, man. Just do it. Just, it just do it. Just do yeah. it. It's like, oh, you know, because Ford, Ford, you know, it's a good part. It's a good part. You know, Ford's been out. Uh, I'm tuning out. As you speak, <laughs> I'm, I'm tuning out. Yeah. So, <laughs> basically, that's what's been happening. Um, so, right. I've got a new air conditioning unit and the blah, blah, blah for the blah, blah, blah is getting sorted. But beyond that was, I've had a wonderfully restful week. I've just been away uh, for the last seven days. I went and did a bit of camping, um, hung out with some like all sorts of types of breeds of birds. So I'm a bit bit of bit, mm. bit of an expert now. I, we actually had a had a beautiful. Is it encounter. ornithology? Is that what it is? Is that ornithology? Or- the ornith- study of birds. Yeah, I, I, look, I'm happy to go with that. Ornithological or- studies is sort of. 
it's in my head. It sounds almost yep. like a like a like a double album ornithology. Um, <laughs> it does. <laughs> but but anyways, I do um, I do have a quick story before we get into how are you. But basically, oh, I just I just spent four days with a bowerbird, and I'm not sure if mm. you know, but bowerbirds create these yeah, beautiful bowers um, where mm. they. Where they find blue, all blue. St- that's right. They find blue yeah. stuff yeah. and uh, and put it in their bower. And, uh, Have I ruined your story? No, 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 no. Because it, it gets better. No, okay. So this bower, mm. I was like, well, why don't we just cut up like some uh, like some chucks, like some sponges, blue sponge, and leave it lying around the campsite. I left a lighter uh, around the campsite. <laughs> Next minute. The bower has the bower bird has like grabbed all the blue shit and has set it up symmetrically like in a perfect line for his mate. Wow! And then we actually saw the the whole mating dance, the whole thing. It was wild. Um, anyway, so that's I a- can't believe we're talking about this, but like I also have seen a bower in in the real world, and they're quite big, aren't they? Yeah, they're like they they're like massive. Crows. Yeah. Mm, mm. There you go. Well, I mean, not much else has happened really in Melbourne. I mean, apart from the fact that we came out of lockdown after four weeks. I mean, we haven't done it for three weeks because we've been wildly celebrating the fact that we can party. Mm -hmm. And it's been a wonderful thing. Like, I I did a gig last week. That was my first gig since February. I was like, oh, it was... I think the word I used for it was nour- nourishing. What was it Nourished like dealing with a front, what was it like dealing with a front of house guy? Were, were they were they like more chill? <laughs> Do you know what? I I don't want to go there. I don't want to go there. But the front of house guy and the mixer were great. I know okay. both of those guys. Yeah, okay. they were lovely. But on the morning of the gig, it was just like, what time sound check? Well, well we we've said sound check. Is at six o'clock. Actually, there's no sound check because we're doing a line check. You asked us what we wanted to do. We said we'll do a line check. Then, then they called up ten o'clock. You can't do a line check. You've got to do a sound check. It's it's got to be done by six o'clock. Wow. And I was like, well, you said we had to do a line check at eight o'clock. It's just like there's been seven months that we have not done music, and this is the first one back. This is where we've got to already. It's just like, why are we in this? In like, we all work in the the. You, we both work in a corporate sort of environment for our day jobs, and just to get that again, I was like, I did not miss this. Yeah, look, I, 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 rumor and I got angry. It, rumor has it like front of house people right now are completely off their heads. They're like, they've <laughs> they've actually doubled down. Like, I think COVID right. has been like a thing where like people are showing up to sound checks, and the front of house people are just like completely off their heads highly strung it's all happening so i'm 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 not surprised to hear this because you you, this is the second person that's told me today that whatever's going on in the front of house scene post-covid is uh it's pretty deep vibes it's a deep scene yeah (laughs) well look i'm driving to hay in new south wales in the outback for a gig this sunday with kylie and i had a really nice talk to a country sound guy so great if Hoping all is well and the the forty five degree heat doesn't melt the uh, doesn't melt my mini Moog or my amp. Or, what's that? You taking the Mazda out there? I'm taking the Mazda six for a spin, oh, five hours up the highway over hay that. plains. Oh, anyway, <laughs> we could we could <laughs> chat about Ford Fiestas and, and Mazda sixes all night, but I don't think we should. No, I think we should get into it. Let's move on. All right. So on episode one, Eric. We reviewed an album, an Australian album, and you jumped out of the gates with a 10. And I was thinking, oh, my God, like, if I give this album a 10, like, where am I going to leave myself? So 
you, I think you had the right idea. It was definitely a 10. I gave it a 9. I feel bad about giving it a 9 because since that day, like, I have listened to this album a lot. Like, fastidious wouldn't be the word. I think a lot's the word. Um, and I am gonna, I'm putting it up there with, like, the Leanne La Harvest album and maybe the Logic album as, like, one of my three favourite albums of the year. And so, I mean, you would say that's not too shabby for someone's debut album. Um this our special guest tonight. She has credits with Steve Spacek and Platonic Labs in her resume. And had it not been for COVID, I think this person would be tearing up the global stratosphere off the back of this debut. We are both so excited and about to fanboy something shocking over tonight's <laughs> guest. Can we say a warm welcome to the amazing Natalie Slade? Natalie, welcome. Hey guys, how you doing? <laughs> pretty good, pretty good. How are you? I'm good. I'm I'm now a lot wiser about ornithology, birds, uh, front of house people. Well, that's I mean, really, that's that's the plot. I mean, you know, the, yeah, this is. I mean, this. Let's be honest. I mean, this is we're front. This whole all music is good stuff is kind of a front for a, a deeper dive into <clears throat> like trivia and and. Um, water cooler conversation so we're, we're glad mm-hmm. that you've kind of picked that up early um mm. so natalie tell us t- tell us you know i mean we're we're over here in the uh in the dirty south um what's it like being in sydney i mean actually re- i'll rewind a minute so are you, are you actually sydney based or was there like yes. a move to melbourne Tell, was, talk us through it they're, they're both true um so i am sydney based and i lived in melbourne uh, for about two years and then came back at the start of last year. Uh, and um, okay. really, I didn't have to be in Melbourne for the lockdown period of time because obviously it was a lot easier going in Sydney. Um, so it was kind of just fortunate timing, really, for that alone. Yeah, Not so much. Absolutely. Obviously, I miss Melbourne for that. Yeah, totally. Um, can you tell us a little bit about, I mean, you know, I guess the record came out more or less probably what like well when was it it was like April April like May like July. just as like lockdowns kicked in is that right? It was it was like June or July because we had a single come out. The right. humidity came out first, didn't it? And then uh, yeah. Love Light followed that. Yeah. I think. That yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I remember. I remember. You remember Arik? You came over to my house one day. I said, "You've got to see this film clip. It's I remember. incredible." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And line, line you on know, the floor. It was obviously the humidity clip. Inside yeah. in Maven's studio, and oh my god, it was just mind blowing. Yeah, yeah, it incredible. Yeah. <laughs> it was incredible. Yeah. It had James Bowers playing key bass and Alicia Joy on BVs. It was just it was insane. It yeah, was such a great clip. It was pretty yeah. all star. Was that was that shot by um, Glenn Glenn Wilk? Was that Glenn yes. Wilk who shot it as well? Yeah, it was he, he? He did that and the album cover. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. Shout out, shout out to Glenn. Um, yeah. I'm not sure if you'll hear this podcast, but uh, hi, Glenn. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us, like, tell us about, like, what's Sydney been like? Like, I mean, I guess you guys haven't had as brutal a lockdown in, in terms of creativity and linking up with, you know, other creatives. Have you had an opportunity to, like, make more music or sort of fill that void with, with gigs not happening? Um, I mean... So, uh, not so much, really, because like over the the lockdown the lockdown time, I, you know, I, 
was pretty much in the beginning of that I was writing alone uh, for a long time and then uh, after the record came out you know I actually I actually just took a job for a while as soon as we were like allowed to go outdoors and I realized I'm not gonna be able to tour and kind of had that moment of like going oh shit what do you do now if the whole like the whole music thing just literally can't happen I took a job so I didn't even do music for a while um, and have only just recently finished that. It was just a short-term contract. And now I'm, I'm back to like starting to reconnect with people and being like, wow, I just miss this so, so much. It's been heartbreaking, hey, to not be able to play. I mean, I, I, like, there are two things that I'd pick up on that. In the first being that like, um, you know, with no, no shade on, on the Melbourne scene, but there is no such thing as living in Sydney without a job. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, Melbourne, Melburnians... Melburnians tend to somehow, uh, I don't know how we do it, but we find a way. But, uh, I, but you know, from a lot of friends in Sydney, it's just kind of one of those things that's sort of almost impossible to sort of, you know, you've got to have three, four different hustles um, to sort of make it, you know, just make, make rent. Uh, you know, I hear that, you know, three people have three-month leases, all sorts of bullshit um, that makes it pretty, pretty hard. So anything that pops on a creative level that's not, you know, feeding that pop appetite of that city is is pretty remarkable. So, like, hats off to you for kind of that hustle and, you know. Thanks. Well, I should admit, though, I, I like, happen to land the pot of gold in terms of my house. Like, I have the the cheapest rent and then I have the the best paid job. <laughs> so, actually, I'm okay. I mean, it's, it's oh. casual work. But, you know, I was like, this is just enough to be able to do a little bit of that. And then you just do music for the rest of the time. So I really mm. can't Yeah, that's, that's you, so... You had a chance right there. To, yeah, she had a chance right there to give a really, like, you know, wrong side of the tracks narrative. But she chose <laughs> to, like, go the true path. Damn, I totally missed that. And uh, look, one more question. One more question before, before I throw it was just in terms of that kind of balance of going, cool, you've just done the hard slog of the kind of nine to five. You know, I mean, I'm a big believer that, that that balance is actually, like, perfect for creativity. I think mm. sometimes the, the concept of being just an artist, you know, without, you know, that for some, that structure of actually having to find the time to be creative can actually bring out creativity in a deeper level. Um, so I'd be curious on, like, with two questions, like, is that something that you kind of found it, having kind of moved from like this creative bubble into like a working bubble and then now emerging back to a creative bubble like does it feel like you're kind of energized to sort of almost disrupt what you've what you've been uh forced to be doing um a little bit but actually uh i actually took two jobs over that time so because i was totally burnt out from working yeah i'm really grateful to come back to music but generally speaking i'm i think i function pretty differently to how uh, my other, you know, musician friends function in that I don't do a, um, I don't wait for creativity to come before I write. I, as a practice, free and um, am really structured um, how I work. I'm very nine to five and how I function creatively. So I, I kind of do it whether I'm in the mood or not. And therefore I don't really... I don't like getting a break from it because then it just disrupts my 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 structure. 
yeah, I think I'm unusually disciplined. Um, to to or at least just a different different approach different style well we 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 spoke about this actually on on that episode that we uh that we looked at but we might like uh look at that a bit further because we did have this like we we created this uh interesting theory about melbourne versus sydney particularly around music and um you know we're gonna go there i'm gonna go i'm gonna go there later i'm gonna go there later was you had something what was that Oh no no no! I just say like, oh, I'm exactly the same. Like you know, I'm, I'm a nine to fiver. And, yeah, cool. Uh, yeah, it's 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 each each to their own. It's each to their totally. own. But um, oh totally. Yeah, I don't I, I don't like the uh, trap. It's I, I don't like the trappings of of having to uh, live the music lifestyle of of having time. So you know, I just fill it up with you know work 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 and then. You know, a bit of music each day, but yeah, you've got to, everyone's got to find their own balance, I guess. Of course, yeah. But you also got to live in, <laughs> in the world. Yeah, um, it's hard. It's really difficult. Yeah. Um, c- quickly, can I just can you just give us a bit of a brief rundown of like of <laughs> in a hundred words or less? Uh, no, uh, about you know, what's what's your history as a musician? I mean, you, you've Sydney based. You've come to Melbourne. Like, did you? Was uh, do, you have, do you play an instrument? Like what? Tell us a little bit about it. Okay. Um, uh, uh, maybe a little bit different from um, pretty much all of my musician friends in that I wasn't really doing music, or at least I was doing it in a very different way um, up until fairly recently. So uh, my my background is that I had moved to New Zealand and started a restaurant. So I was singing in a restaurant um, and I didn't intend to, to, to go and write an album or anything. Um, that I was actually just intending to, to work in this restaurant in the South Island of New Zealand, um, you know, forever really. Um, but I, I was in Christchurch and we had, um, wow. we had earthquakes. So the whole city got wiped. Um, and it was really only then that yeah. I, was sort of put in a position where um, that well you've literally got nothing to lose you may as well do that thing that you're afraid of which is writing music and um, I started just seeking out like trying to find what do I like and how do you do this thing and just trying to meet people and uh, so that was when I came back to Sydney and met some people here um, actually in that time met Maven went down to have a jam with him and then somehow the job that I was working just happened to relocate there made the record with him and and then sort of we're up to now roughly (laughs) so it's all really serendipitous there's no sort of plan it just sort of happened yeah I mean look I always wanted to do I've always sung and always wanted to but I never knew how you know so you know you didn't follow the path of going to school and and doing that it was just it's just uh it's natural for you uh, I did. I did sound engineering um, and music business, but not music uh, or music theory or anything. So yeah, sort of did music school. Look, I think I mean the the big question I've got, which is not as music related, is um, I'm not sure if you've seen the the movie. <clears throat> like I, I'm just picking up on part of your story. So you you moved to South Auckland, then you. South, so, sorry, South, South, Church, South, South Island. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, I love the South Island. I, I did a trip there for a month. I went to, uh, what's it called? Milford Sound. Got eaten by mm. uh, sandflies. 
very traumatic, um, but good times. Um, and uh, you moved to the South Island, you opened a restaurant and you sung at the restaurant. And it reminded me of a story, um, well, a movie, Raging Bull, um, with, with Robert De Niro, where Jake LaMotta... <laughs> basically opens a restaurant and then also gets to tell boxing stories. Was that kind of the vibe <laughs> of, uh, of your restaurant experience? <laughs> wow. You just hit the nail on the head there. It's, it's, it, you know, it's kind of, yeah. right? I, I knew there was a link. I knew there was a link. There was always, yeah. Yeah, I knew there was a link. <laughs> it was exactly like that. The same kind of challenges. Yeah. Kind of everything. <laughs> well, it's funny. I, I, mean, I remember. I remember. Um, I used to work at a pub, um, called the Prince of Wales Hotel, which is in St Kilda, and um, you know, I was a you know a musician, and and I had this bar job to kind of get me through. And one day, the bar guy just sort of said to me, "Listen, mate, you're a shit bartender. Just play some play some guitar." <laughs> and, oh. and suddenly, like I was getting, I was getting my like hourly, um, my hourly bartender rate to to play guitar in the pub instead, which suited me fine. It suited him fine. So I'm always curious about those kind of hustles where you sort of manage to mesh together the what's going on in the day job and then get the music thing happening. Was that sort of something that was going on for you in New Zealand then? Yeah, I think I was, I think I was trying to do music in some way, you know, um, by doing that. I, I didn't, I'm much happier with the way I'm doing music now, um, but that was a way that I was, you know, still trying to stay connected to it. Well, speaking of connected and connectivity and connection, ah. perhaps we should look at uh, our next segment, which is all about internet connections um, and uh, and things we do on internet connections. So I might throw but- to you, Was, to uh, introduce our next segment. I just want to say, Eric, that could have been the best segue that you've ever done on the history of this show. Thanks. That was really good. Thanks. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, so every each week, we uh, the, the All Music is Good podcast, uh, select one lucky individual to join um, our Instagram family. The illustrious They don't like club. us. That's right. They don't like us. We like them. So, I mean, they will be joining such luminaries as... James Beek from Dawson's Creek, uh, VJ Singh, the Fijian golfer. Who else? Lisa Curry Kenny. She's a the, pretty. Uh, she's quite prolific. I've noticed. Like yes. Um, who else have we got in there? We've got a few people in there. I can't even remember. We've now. got La- Layla, Layla Ali. Yeah, female boxer Layla Ali. Anyway, it's 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 a it's a who's who <laughs> of <laughs> it's a who's who of of people. It's a smorgasbord. Uh, I wouldn't say luminaries, but they have done stuff. Anyway, this week, um, Natalie, please feel free to have a guess. Um, I, I just give Arik a few clues, and if you can't get it in about 30 seconds, we move on. Uh, this 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 week's Instagram like of the week uh, was born in South Dallas, and he was raised between Texas and South Florida, and he grew up with a passion for poetry. Uh his early career began with uh, break dancing and and party battle rapping. Uh, at the age of, um, I think, oh shoot, I didn't write this down, but I think it's the age of twenty. His debut album was the fastest selling hip hop album of all time, and he was and it was the first hip hop album to achieve number one status on the Billboard charts. This 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 gentleman has had a crazy life. He's he's dated Madonna. 
He was stabbed five times outside of a nightclub. Uh, he's been arrested for stealing furniture, a pool heater and push bikes from a house he thought was vacant. Uh, he owns a real estate website named after himself and he's a father of two daughters named Keely Breeze and Dusty Rain. And that's all the clues I'm going to give you. Um, who is this week's Instagram like of the week, Eric? Well, I'm going to throw one out there. And I'm... Um well, I've got two, but I don't think the second one is actually. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm pegging it on the fastest selling hip hop. Was it a single or was it an album? Album. I'm th- I'm gonna go LL Cool J. Okay. Any any thoughts, Natalie? <laughs> um. Um. Could it be Tupac? Because he dated Madonna, right? I don't know. I think he might have, actually. I mean, I was going to say Dennis Rodman. I was going to say Dennis Rodman, but he's not a rapper. And I don't believe he runs a real estate company, more to the point. Look, he could. I mean, you can do anything in that country by the sounds of it. I mean, you could declare a a false election, you know, (laughs) if you wanted to. I mean, you can do lots of things. That's true. Uh, We're going to welcome... To this week's uh, to the All Music Is Good podcast family, uh, the our Instagram like of the week is none other than Robert Matthew Van Winkle, otherwise known as MC Vanilla, but better known as Vanilla Ice. Oh, so, uh, Vanilla Ice! Wow, goodness Fastest me! Fastest selling hip hop album of all time. Wow, Amazing. and now he's a real estate agent. I'm no, no, no. He's got a real estate website where he sells real estate from. But I think it's just you know he puts his name to it. Might be worth a couple of million a year. So was it's it, question? It's actually called vanilla vanilla rice Really? Yeah. So it up. just FYI, I mean, just like out of curiosity, what is on Vanilla Ice's um, Instagram? <clears throat> uh, look, I, I did have a brief look this morning. Uh, there was just pictures of him as a 40 year old guy just showing you know his guns basically is he is he he fully ripped he's pretty ripped like i was looking it up there's some interesting story about um suge knight you know shaking him down uh for money because he ripped off you know he ripped the song for ice ice baby and i don't think he had to pay all the money to david bowie and he kept a lot of it and then suge knight shook him down for the cash and started up def jam on the on, with the cash that he he took off Vanilla Ice, but but hold on, what what, what did Suge Knight have to do with David Bowie, or was it just a hustle? No, no, nothing to do. No, 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 no nothing to do with David Bowie. But you know, Vanilla, you know, Vanilla Ice, Ice Ice Baby was the David Bowie under pressure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. So he kept the money. He didn't have to. It was before the days of sampling um, court cases. He, he sued him, but he didn't get a whole bunch back. And so Vanilla Ice kept a lot of money, which was then taken off him by Suge Knight. Was that like, and then they was wanted that the, to sign was that him. The, like dangling him off a balcony story? That's right. That's the story. That's yeah, the story. yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yep. Natalie, I'd be curious to know. Um, did you have any kind of vanilla ice type um, moments in your in your childhood? What's that mean? Well, I guess the question is like, I know for me, like I was about eleven when um, Ice Ice Baby came out, and yeah. And it was, I think it was 93. And um, and I was right into like video hits and rage and 
and it was just like one of the it was just it, it's like kind of etched in my in my soul and brain as not necessarily a good song but just a song that kind of really brings up you know, memories of being 12 and eating monaco bars and, and eskimo pies and um <laughs> All sorts of things from the early nineties. I'm I'm just curious to to see if there was anything that you know you can associate from that era. Does vanilla? Does when you hear the words vanilla ice, does does things like ice creams come up, or um, you know, that's really where no, I'm going with this one. I, I don't have memories flooding back when I think about vanilla ice. I, I have memories flooding back when I think about like um, MC Hammer. You can't touch this. You know that that I can yep. Uh, yep, and yep, yep. like total goofball. Yeah, no. I remember it coming out. I remember it coming out. I think I was in year. What year did it come out? Do you reckon ninety three? That means I would. No, released nineteen eighty nine. So I do what? remember. It. I was in year eight, and uh, I remember someone had a Walkman with some like portable speakers, which were just crazy. You know, to have a Walkman with portable speakers, and we sat around the table and and someone put it on. And it was. And it what was happened? A, it was a thing. And what happened? Oh, it was a thing. I remember it. That's what happened. <laughs> anyway. Whoa! Great story. We should move on. Yeah, uh, yeah great story. <laughs> I, I also, but I did. I think, yeah, MC Hammer and Young MC. Uh, bigger impressions. I'll go with Natalie on that one. Let's move yeah. on. Let's get. Let's get on to this week's albums. All right. Let's talk about some albums. All right. Uh, we'll be right back after this quick break. You might think I'm crazy. The way I've been craving If I put it quite plainly Just give me the babies So what you doing tonight? Better stay doing you right Watching movies but we ain't seen a thing tonight I don't wanna keep you up But show me can you keep it up Cause then I like to keep you up So maybe I'ma keep you up So the first album we have this week is the new one from Ariana Grande called Positions. Eric, tell us, tell us something we don't know about Ariana Grande. Okay, so uh, for those who have who listened to last week's episode with Ryan Munro, um, he he basically uh, poked a gaping hole in uh, in our research of podcasts. Um, in so much as he clocked that we take the bios from Wikipedia and he altered the bios in Wikipedia <laughs> to um, play a trick on us. So as such, I'm not using Wikipedia this week and thank you, Ryan Munro, for holding us accountable in relation to our research. I'm using Spotify. So Ariana Grande is perhaps the quintessential pop star of the last half of the 2010s, capturing the era's spirit and style. Emerging in 2013 with the hit single The Way, Grande initially appeared to be the heir to the throne of Mariah Carey, due in part to her powerhouse vocals. With its babyface production, her debut Yours Truly underscored her debut, her, her debt, sorry, to 90s R&B, but Grande quickly incorporated hip-hop and EDM into her music. 
Problem, a 2014 smash duet with Iggy Zalia, was the first indication of her development and evolution underscored by the hits Bang Bang and Love Me Harder, which featured Jesse J and Nicki Minaj and The Weeknd, respectively. Grande, as a banger, as it is a banger, and uh, Grande maintained her popularity with 2016's Dangerous Woman, then really hit her stride with 2018's Sweetener and its swift sequel Thank You, Thank You Next, whose title track became her first number one pop hit. That achievement was quickly equaled by Seven Rings, a glitzy anthem for the Instagram age that consolidated her stardom and artistry, as well as Positions, the lead single from 2020's R&B album of the same name, which is what we're reviewing. A native of Boca Raton, Florida, where she was born in 1993 to graphic designer Edward Botera and Joan Grande, the CEO of Hose McCann Communications. Grande began singing and acting at an early age, appearing in local theatre productions. In 2008, when she was 15 years old, she landed the role of Charlotte in the Broadway production of 13. Her performance was well-received, winning a National Youth Theatre Association Award, which we probably can all argue is the summit of uh, musical <laughs> achievement. Following an appearance... Flippant. I'm not. We, uh, we have all agreed that musical theatre is the real deal, so I'm... I've I'm never gonna, agreed. I'm going to go there. That. Never. Yep. Following an appearance in the 2010 Desmond Child written musical Cuba Libre, Grande was cast as Cat Valentine in the Nickelodeon television program Victorious. The show ran until 2012, at which time Grande's Cat Valentine was spun off into a show called Sam and Cat, which also starred Jeanette McCurdy of iCarly. Blah, blah, blah. There's a lot here. We might get into some personal stuff. Tragedy struck. Oh, really? Yeah. Tra- oh, yes. Tragedy I was thinking struck. about this. Yes. Yes. Tragedy struck on May 22nd, 2017, when a suicide bomber attacked Grande's concert at the Manchester Arena in Manchester, England. Grande returned to performing on June 4, when she held a star-studded charity concert called One Love Manchester to aid the victims of the bombing. Following the show, she resumed the Dangerous Woman tour, which concluded in Hong Kong that September. Um, Grande has had duets reach the top uh, of the Billboard charts in the early 2020s. First, it was Stuck With You with Justin Bieber, then it was Rain On Me with Lady Gaga, before she launched her, ne- her, next posi- her next album, Positions, with the release of its title track. The single reached number one just before October 30, release of the album, which crowned the Billboard 200. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Ariana Grande. We are looking at Positions. Was why don't you uh, take it away? It'd be my pleasure, Eric. Thanks for that introduction. I actually think I like the Wikipedia uh, ones better than the Spotify. Uh, we can we can talk about that <laughs> later. Uh, look, the way I've always thought about Ariana Grande is that she's some kind of futuristic robot created by the Disney Corporation that proves the fact that robots will always be able to sing better than humans and that robot singers are the future. <laughs> so... Co- Look, having having a young daughter means that I've listened to a lot of Katy Perry and Taylor Swift over my time, and and I've grown up with with I feel like I've grown, I sound so old. I've grown up with Ariana Grande, um, but she's always been to like one of those annoying perfect teen pop stars. But even given that I've thought of her like that, I, you know, and that she's a bit sasherine, um, I've always known that she's a kick-ass singer. So, look, something that's been happening over the past few years, um, which means I've probably been building up to this moment to review this album tonight. Um, 
I don't know if you've seen, you know, her doing musical impressions on Jimmy Fallon. Oh, it's uh, unbelievable. It's actually unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, there's the the carpool karaoke with Seth MacFarlane doing musical songs, yeah, which yeah. is incredible as well. And like what, you know, has become clear to me over the years is that Ariana Grande is like a really funny girl who can laugh at herself and she just seems really grounded and really lovely. And the other day, a video popped into my feed, which turned out to be Ariana Grande doing a song for an online festival with Thundercat and like Domi. Is it Domi? I never know how to pronounce it. No, or Domi. Anyone help me? Is it Domi? No. Nope. I'm not sure. D-O-M-I? Oh my God. She's like, she's a keyboard player. No, still not. Maybe, uh, okay. maybe, maybe you anyway. can make her the Instagram like of next week and, and, and give us a few more clues. I'm just sort of like hoping like, you know, Natalie will help me here, but she's just giving me nothing and I'm just like, <laughs> oh God, here we go. <laughs> if you're out on your uh, own, was I'm out on my own. Come on, someone save me. Someone's <laughs> supposed to jump in. Um, anyway, the this song, I don't, has anyone seen it? It's freaking out there. And like as soon as I saw it, it was just like, Yes. This is a thing. And Ariana was like owning it. And straight away, like when you thought about it on a deeper level, you thought, of course, this is going to work. Like you put people in a room that are completely on top of their game, like Thundercat, who can just do anything on a bass. And Ariana, 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 who can do anything with her vocals and magic happens. And that's like you watch it and they're like, oh, it's incredible. So anyone who hasn't seen it, I really suggest that you go out and have a look at that clip. It's it's mm. crazy. Anyway, so with that in mind, I came to this album. I came to this album and I thought I, I've listened to it and I'm like, I'm thinking, wow, this is this is <laughs> this is crazy. Um, look, the way I'm looking at this album is that she's obviously throwing off the shackles of, you know, pop princess and doing a bit of like, I'm an adult now. And I, I, I would possibly make the argument that, you know, the sex this and the positions that is possibly a bit over the top and maybe slightly contrived. But realistically for me, that's about as far as I'm going to go towards picking holes in this album. Because in all honesty, this might be like the perfect mesh of contemporary modern R&B with left field production. Um, the melody is a killer. Her, like, you know, her ability to like, her rhythmic flair for vocals is so on point and so interesting. I, I loved it. So by the time the song... Um, just like magic rolled around and the harmonies and the bridge hit. I was literally, I was driving in my car. And I just yelled out, yes. It was like, <laughs> it was like, this is, it was just like magic guys. See what I did there? Ooh, Not bad. Anyway. <laughs> nice. I ex look, look, I expect that this album will be off the charts huge. And I personally think that this will be a template for modern R&B moving forward for the, probably the next few years, I would say. Um, a couple other things I'll say, like on a semi-serious note, I'm gonna also point out that I'm not sure what it, what it says. I'm not, I'm not actually laughing. What it actually says about modern society and like the sexualization of young males and females in Western culture, but in a kind of funny, not funny kind of way, my 12 year old daughter clocked something that I totally hadn't clocked at all when she said, "You know what? 34 and 35." 34 add up to, and Dad. 35. 
and like and giggled and then i just like oh right okay yep. yeah 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 that's a thing that was that was pointed out to me last week as well and i was like yeah what okay oh uh, right okay yeah okay so i don't know you know just like you know of course you know that that's the thing but sort of like uh i'm not sure how comfortable i am with it anyway uh not 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 comfortable with her saying it but you know just you know the fact that she's sort of built this profile with young girls and it's you know i don't know i mean was a just it was as was as about to walk out to his volvo and just roll (laughs) roll down to the suburban shopping center and get a radox um because you know it's a little bit hot in here (laughs) <laughs> that's not it at all it's just it's that, that is absolutely not it i'm playing it's I'm just playing. sort of like you know as a as a you know as a dad blah 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 uh that's probably you know another time and place uh anyway i'm not i'm not actually sure if i love this album because it was so unexpected or because it was totally kick ass so probably i would say it's a healthy dose of both um and i thought it just matched her incredible vocal gift with you know really some really good song pop songwriting um uh so like i would say in terms of my favorite tracks um well there was a heap of bangers on here it didn't really require me to pick any like you could pick uh, most of them yeah so w- what i loved is that it actually plays well as an album um and a heap of its contemporaries don't do that and this album really did uh look will i listen to it again a heap maybe not i don't know um but i really loved it i loved it i listened i drove in the car i've listened to it a couple of times and i um i thought it was really amazing anyway that's what i thought about it um natalie what'd you think did, did you enjoy spending time with uh Arianda? Uh, this is really lucky that the, the internet like just came back in just as you said natalie what do you think because I, I i missed a lot of what you just said so hopefully you catch some of what I said now. Um, I said it was awesome. I, yeah. Okay. Cool. Cool. Um, so I thought. I, I mean, I I wouldn't normally listen to Ariana Grande, so I was a little bit grumpy with you in, in the beginning for making me listen to it, and then I was like, no, come on, you got to listen to things. You got to be a <laughs> Natalie. And um, I I started out being a little bit you know, grumpy at the tracks because stuff like, you know, like in, in 34 plus 35, like just listening to the lyrical content, um, like I'm quite, uh, yeah. I don't want to say old school, my approach to writing, but I don't think I very rarely just come out and say it. Um, you know, whereas her lyrics, am I allowed to swear on this show? Yeah, 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 yeah. Her lyrics uh, actually say, you know, can you fuck me till the daylight? Um, you know, like she just right out with it. Can, yeah. can you, you make a bitch want to hit snooze? Like, and I'm like, and like you say, if you've got a 12 year old daughter that's listening to it, you're like, damn, that's really, it's really in your face. And that's, I guess that's, yeah. I mean, that's totally yep. the norm these days. But like for me as a writer, I like to be, I like to sort of go around the subject and kind of, kind of paint it with a, with a few colors rather than just get straight to it. Um, so for me, initially I was like, oh, it's not my style, but then again, I'm also not the market. So, um, I, towards the end, started to, to enjoy some tunes a little bit more. Like, um, I thought that safety net was a cool tune and my hair was a cool tune. Um, 
And then, yeah, I mean, you, you just can't get past the fact that she's got the most incredible range and register and her tone's amazing and her agility is amazing and the fact that she can hit those high whistle notes, like, it is incredible. She's got an incredible skill. Look, it's like I, I normally wouldn't listen to this either. Uh, so, look, it's always <laughs> this is all the part of this podcast is that we pick four really diverse albums to sort of, you know, have a juxtaposition to. And it sort of forces you to sort of listen to new music and see what people are doing. But yeah, and just, and you know, once you sort of think about picking up the positive parts of it like you know there's always something good to retrieve out of it but yeah like having said that there was one line where she said my pussy is the right fit for you i was just like this is is too far (laughs) even for me i was just like it was it's insane insane i I mean but like like but but here's a here's a but here's a question was like you know and we've talked about you know concepts of um you know, expression and, 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 and all that. Like, if it's a guy saying, you know, my cock is X for you, yeah. it does, is, that, yeah. is, that, is that more palpable? Like, is that, is that not, like, is she not basically doing exact, like, is she not garnering the exact response that she's trying to garner by being so explicit? I think it was really um, done on purpose. This, this, you know, this, this was a... a, a uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? She, she did this to try and break off from what she was before. This is a line in the sand moment for her totally. to move. And I th- think she possibly went too far just to sort of really cut the cord, it's I would the, say. It's, so, it, 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 it's the 2008 Essendon Hawthorne Richie Vandenberg no, moment. No, it's not. It's not that moment. It's more. Um, if you want to even think back further, when uh, as someone who does think back further than you do, um, when Kylie Minogue started going out with Michael Hutchins, that's when I think in my head, oh, yeah. she's got, she's gotten, you know, she's breaking free from the pop princess to that's become this, yeah, yeah. this person, and she's cut the cord. I think that's probably the difference because, and like the type of artist is quite key. Like I'm, you're so used to hearing. Uh, all kinds of words if you're listening to, I don't know, certain rappers or something might just be total the norm or uh, like a certain rock band or whatever, it wouldn't surprise you. But, you know, she's kind of from that Disney background way and she's still so, she. I mean, she's 27, but she looks yeah. teeny. I still expect her to be like 17. So maybe that's why it's surprising. I mean, I'd be curious as well on that point, like thinking about WAP coming out this year and the, the Cardi B that whole Cardi B thing, um, whether, you know, I mean, Ariana Grande has also been criticised quite heavily in relation to sort of like appropriating black culture um, from from her hair to like her skin tone, um, whether that's more of the same or is it is it like a different thing? Is it like, um, I mean, my, my I'm always curious to know, has the contract with Disney expired and as such she's off the leash and she can just do everything without like a, a group of marketing people saying, well, that's not going to hit the 12 to 15 demographic. You got to, you know, you got to like tone it back. You know, I, I wonder, I'd be curious to know if, if it, it's, it's to do with the contract change. Is she out of contract? All that sort of stuff. Because I think so often this is, this is a playbook. Like artists, when they sort of complete their five album cycle on a major sort of come out and go well this is actually what i'm about right here right now so i'd, I'd be curious to know mm. just as some as a kind of little takeaway 
I might have I might have do a bit of research around that. Um, but can you imagine her new record label would be saying, "Oh my god, just give us more of that." Like get that and then tone it up another 100% and we've just, you know, we're going to have something huge on our hands. So I think uh look it, I I think what she's done I I look as we both said on numerous occasions on this podcast, it's um, melody, music over, over um, lyrics, and uh, I just think you know her voice with this music. Um, if you, if you look at it from a modern R and B commercial viewpoint, this this ticks, you know, most of the boxes, if not all the boxes. Um, as a, a question to you, Natalie, as a vocalist, like, I mean, you hear though that those performances, I mean. There's something about like a you know sometimes a good singer is impressive, and and you're just completely drawn in because it's just like highly skilled, and then sometimes it's kind of so highly skilled that it almost feels like inaccessible and kind of like ugh like I can't I'm not feeling anything here. I'd be curious to know your take as a vocalist, sort of hearing that sort of level of execution. Oh, um, well. I think uh, I still I don't feel the latter at least when I listen to her. I think like locally I'm intrigued by her performances and um, I, yeah, I mean I think she sounds really beautiful. It's uh, it's probably more just like a preference thing of you know that I I wouldn't normally like s- sit down and really uh, take the music in, but um, but I definitely appreciate her. As an artist and when I did really sit down with the record I did start to really like it as well you know it's like if that's your thing if you're into pop R&B then yeah I think it's doing the right things for for that genre and that market all right Arik tell us what you thought about it okay so I listened to this three times as I said uh I think I'm not sure if I said it on air or not but I listened to this three times is it a lot for you that is three a lot for you uh three is a three is a lot what do you how many times do you normally listen to these albums because uh, three would be my minimum yeah to be honest. yeah no I usually I usually give it one listen and just kind of go with my gut but um I listen to this uh on the road like driving and not kind of thinking about it from an analytical point of view and then I listen to it this morning and then I listened to it again tonight and my feeling was like okay I mean I, I guess I'll just go through my two favorite songs and then I'll get to sort of the stuff that just kind of put me off um, mm-hmm. uh, so I thought shut up track one and this is you know I have listened to it three times was so I'm not being lazy here shut up track one um, I, I just I thought the melody was amazing. What she was doing over those chords was just blistering, and the orchestration was super cool. And just that kind of sort of um, focus on this really dense string arrangement, I felt like really sent a message about what where we're going here, which is not just like a kind of um, cookie cutter sugary pop record. It's going to have some weight to it. So I thought that really set the tone. And then um, off the table with the weekend, um, I, I really enjoyed that song, and but then then like all of my cynicism showed up. Um, so like my first my first feel was like that, like the, you know off the table is like the 
is the 2020 answer to like the girl is mine um paul mccartney michael jackson 1983 it's like let's 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 lead with this these are the two biggest stars on the planet um it's going to sell a million or a billion or whatever the algorithm says so immediately that's the not cine- the single though is it? it isn't the single the last track i think that's the single all oh, right well look maybe yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm pretty I'll, sure the single is pov Right, well, I'll get behind that. Um, but I guess, <laughs> <laughs> I guess, just like my cynicism kicked in, and then I started like nitpicking, and and the thing that, and it, again, it's it also just um, I have to kind of acknowledge my age and and what I resonate with because I'm going to have a complete opposite reaction to something that is coming later in this episode. But like Ariana Grande has properly patented the pop triplet you know the and i was like it showed up on track one it showed up on track two it showed up on track three it showed up on track four and i was like is this gonna mean every single song and it like to be honest it was pretty damn close to every single song had that sort of triplet thing and like it's it's not good it's not good or bad it's just I'm I'm so aware. It's just modern R and B. Yeah, that's but, what it is. But I'm so conscious of that that like I hear it and I'm like, you're just doing the thing for the for the kids, and that's also completely cool. Um, but but it just so when you go back and listen to this podcast, when I say um all the time, like, do you pick up on the fact that I say um like every you know, I, I every don't four or five words? I don't. <laughs> now that I've pointed it out, you're probably going to hear it. I probably will. But go ahead, you keep on rolling with your uh, train of thought. Words. Where are you going with that? No, no, it's not, it doesn't matter. I mean, yeah, it doesn't matter. It's like keep going. Sorry. Okay, so I just like it's a technique. It's so hip. It's so. It's so like exactly what the kids want, and and I feel this album was made for the, that generation, um, and and cares little for um, for for my generation, and that's completely cool. And I, and similar to what Natalie said, like I'm not the audience for this, um, but I can completely acknowledge like brilliant vocal performance, really really cool melodies, and and the thing that I also kind of find myself doing especially when i look at that fallon stuff um and like you know as someone that works in a studio and um you know is always kind of umming and ahhing about concepts of auto-tune and melodyne and all that sort of stuff i would i would put a house on the fact that ariana grande is like hitting the notes Uh, uh, like she's 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 made like a deep skill of of being so freaking precise that she actually sings like sh- things are being melodyned. Like, that's how freaking tight she is. So, um, have you so, ever played around with the plugin called Output at all, Eric? I, I haven't. I haven't. Basic, basically, there's a, there's a bunch of, you know, I mean, it's an effects um, tool and also a sample based um, plugin as well. But it has all those sort of high. Um, vocal trills you know when she does it uh, yeah, 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 <laughs> but yeah, yeah. The, and it's it feels like modern all Mar- modern r&b but like she does it in real life as opposed to mm. someone singing it down an octave and pitching it up it's she's like she, what she's she can master. do with that vocal 
is in incredible. That's why I said at the start, it feels robotic actually what she does. Yeah, yeah. And and I think the cool thing is that she's like and as you said, like she's really playful and clearly if if um if you know, like those kind of heads like Thundercat are like getting around it, like she's she's a serious, serious musician who has hit a pocket of, you know, crazy affluence in 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 pop and she's going to be around for forever so power to her um not not my bag but you know i can i can appreciate it it for what it is so that's my review um this might be a really really good moment to look at how we grade this was what do you think I think it's I think it's that time of the night. Arik, would you introduce our unofficial sponsor of the evening, please? Thank you, Was. So each week, uh, the All Music Is Good podcast likes to, uh, I guess, shine a spotlight on some of the unsung heroes of our society, and and we and we do that by including them in another in and another illustrious club which is the all music is good unofficial sponsor our unofficial sponsors have not agreed to be a part of this podcast nor have contributed any material value to this podcast however we do feel it necessary to celebrate them because they deserve to be celebrated so without further ado ladies and gentlemen this week's unofficial podcast sponsor is Future Cafe in number 60 Murray Street, Colac, Victoria. Really? Really? You went on holidays and then you pick some place that you went to once. That's that's <laughs> right. I am. I am. I did. So let me tell you a little bit. Let me tell you a little bit about Future Cafe. Uh. Okay, well, let me tell you a little bit about don't, it. Don't encourage him, Natalie. Please don't encourage him. <laughs> so, um, before I get into why Future Cafe have joined this illustrious illustrious club, I'm going to read a few reviews of Future Cafe off TripAdvisor, um, which was the only place I could find any information about Future Cafe at 60 Murray Street, Colac. So, let me start with some reviews and then we'll get down to the, the nitty-gritty as to why they why they earned this this illustrious position. So, review- Let me guess. So, the only ones with a positive review on TripAdvisor in the whole Colac district. Was that you, you, you just Sorry, step so off. Step off. I have to say positive things about music. I, I can't be positive all the time. You, you need to step off, man. So, so Barb... Barb Barb C. from Geelong had this to say about the Future Cafe. Don't be put off by the exterior, exclamation <laughs> mark. The, <cafe was laughs> the cafe was conveniently located close to our car park in the main street and it gave us time for our scheduled toilet stop and leg stretch. Um, despite the initial perception of the dark interior being a bit worn looking and underwhelming, we ordered a quick coffee and morning snack and were very pleasantly surprised. The coffee had great flavour and the Turkish snacks with ricotta, spinach and sun-dried tomatoes were super fresh, generously filled and totally delicious. Not sure what it was called, but the person serving said her mother had only made them 10 minutes ago. 
Friendly wow. what, they have, Can you tell me they have ricotta in the country now? Yeah, they, they do Okay, that's the first review uh, Next one is um, By UteBoy1972 <laughs> So UteBoy said This is always the place to buy Turkish delicious quality foods Especially their in-house made baklava Turkish delight, spearmint delight And vanilla nut delight they always have wonderfully delicious cakes of various types, plus great coffee too. Their muffins are exceptional and are moist and delicious. They also own Future Bakery, which is just down the road. Definitely a must visit if you want top quality cafe style food. Um, and uh, that is basically the Delo on the Future Cafe. So. Was it you have clearly you've got a deep curiosity as to why this is this week's podcast sponsor? So I should go into it. Um, I was driving through Colac uh, on my way to the Otways for my camping trip, and I was like, you know what? Hmm. I'd love a cafe latte right now. And um, and we pulled up <clears throat> at Future Cafe, and I'm really really conscious when I go into regional towns to not sound like a complete yuppie fuck when I order my coffees so I've got this thing where I like okay my favorite coffee is a three-quarter latte right fundamentally um you know not too much milk right um so you know you you, you roll through Brunswick and you say a oh, three-quarter latte and they're like yeah man yeah bro, bro do you bro. really you know what you know what the three-quarter latte is all right it's a piccolo it's a quartado well it is a quartado it is a completely a quartado yeah. but but not yeah. many people actually Acknowledge that it is a cortado, and they actually. <laughs> Not many people have lived in Spain for that's a right. of years. That's right. That's right. So, so cortado is my favourite coffee. So, um, I'm really, Me really, too. I'm really, really conscious when I go into a regional cafe to, like, just keep it really simple. And I and I went to the counter and I was like, "Hi there, um, can I have a latte? Can I just order a latte?" And she and the woman behind the counter was like, "No, yeah, no problems. Um, you're gonna have it here or take away." I'll have it here. I was like, oh, like just before you make the latte, rather than filling it up all the way with milk, can you just fill it up three three quarters of the way? And she's like, a piccolo. And I was like, yeah, piccolo. Yeah, yeah, that's a yeah. Let's do a piccolo. That's exactly what I'm after. I'm after a piccolo. So I was like, I was sort of like walked out with a spring in my step. I was really really excited that you know she fully got my vibe. And then next minute. A fucking mug, deep mug of coffee shows up. <laughs> like like full blown mega mug, which was the piccolo but it wasn't filled up all the way and it was a it was a piccolo and I was just like ah bit bummed, oh, but at the so same close, time, but so it was far. so close and so far. But nevertheless I uh, I did drink the coffee and it was delicious. And she, and she was a, a, a really wonderful barista, made great coffee. And I just want to just say thank you to Future Cafe for stepping it up and fully getting, you know, the, uh, the, the, the Melbourne hipster rubbish and just going, yeah, man, I completely know what you're after, even if it was served in a deep mug. So Future Cafe, this week's unofficial podcast sponsor. Perhaps before we get into our scoring system, thank you, Waza. Um, I might throw to both of you to to see if you have any uh, particularly annoying coffee habits, um, and uh, if you've had any sort of similar experiences. 
well, I think we've been in in quite uh, a large amount of danger of of coming across as hipster wankers after talking about Cortados for 30 seconds. And um, I apologize for that, anyone who's listening. Uh, Cortado is a three-quarter latte that's served in Spain as opposed to a cafe latte. And it is right. It is it is the best version of what a latte should be. And I wish there were more of them in Melbourne. But I'm not going to say that ever again. I'll, I'll just yeah. preface it by saying we're not coffee wankers. We just, we just like Cortados. Yep. <laughs> um, apologies, Natalie. I, d- I don't think we know what you're walking into. Um, let, let's just let's just get to the ra- let's just let's just get to the rating system now. Future cafe, future cafe that sell baklava. Like I'm wondering if there's some sort of like front to the Erdogan Turkish regime. Ooh. You know, future cafe Erdogan trying to like you know change the uh, the the you know, fabric the secular. Of the fabric, the fabric of Turkey from secular to Muslim, you know, maybe that's something going on in Colac. That could be a you know? thing. Maybe. I mean, I'm more inclined to. I'm kind of rolling more on the uh, on the cortado, on the cortado <laughs> tip, um, because look, I didn't sample the baklava, so I think that would be a bit of a far, far stretch for me. Um, I would have liked to sample. Okay, the here baklava. we go. Eric. This is what it is. A cortado is eight to ten. A latte is six to eight out of ten. Uh, a piccolo no, no, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. A cortado is is one hundred percent eight to ten. A three yep, a three quarter latte because you know we're talking okay. about you know not too milky. That's a yes. that's a six to eight. Six. Um, yeah, lattes. Oh, uh, yeah. I'd say piccolo. Piccolo okay, four to six. Four to six and. Uh, lo- uh, short macchiato. Oh yeah, definitely no long macchiato. Long macchiato. Well, yeah, yeah that's the smoky though. That feels like because a long macchiato <laughs> could could just could, say what it is okay. and let's move on. All right, long macchiato. Come on, long macchiato is uh, zero to four. Are you cool with that, Natalie? I mean, does that? I mean, does that sort of sit well with you? Yeah, look, it makes perfect sense. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Okay. She's great. looking at the clock and saying, well, this could go. This, are we going to score it or what are we going to do? Yeah, this might All be right. a while. We might be here I, a while. I, I'm going I'm to go first and I'm going to score this album. And look, as as someone who's had uh, a lot of hatred and, and venting towards what modern R&B is in 2020, this was a breath of fresh air. And as I said earlier, I don't know whether I liked it because I wasn't expecting much or because it was actually great. I, I, I don't know. So I don't think I can give it a um I don't think I can give it a cortado, but I can definitely put it in the three quarter latte range. Uh, which is I'm gonna I'm gonna land on a seven for this. And then maybe even a seven point five. I think this is this is really good. And I think it, it's gonna lead the way to somewhere amazing for Ariana Grande because I can see her stepping into this new, you know, I think she's going down this path that's going to be amazing. So, yeah, a uh, uh, three-quarter latte, three-quarter seven latte. out of ten. Yeah. Natalie, what did you think? Yeah, I, too, was at the three-quarter latte um, area of things because it doesn't really matter that it's not my usual taste. It, what matters is that, um, it's, it's 
you know, like a great many people out there. It's it's exactly what they want to hear. And like, she's hugely popular. So she's very much loved. And I think she's loved because she's actually really good. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know whether that's a six or a seven, my three quarter latte, mm. somewhere in that realm. Let's say six and a half. Split the diff. We're done. There we go. All diff. right, done. Um, all right. Well, I'm going to give it, I'm going to give this a, a latte. Um uh, what was latte again? A latte was uh, four to six. I'll give it a six. That's the no, eight you, you said that was piccolo. Oh, fuck, I did. Sorry. Oh, my yeah. God, I've lost it. So, hold on. Cortado's eight to ten. A, a piccolo was four to ten. A three-quarter latte was six to eight. A piccolo was four to six. Four to six. I'm giving and it. And we didn't even have a latte. <laughs> we had a macchiato. <laughs> we had okay. a long macchiato. I'm going to give this a piccolo. Uh, and and I think that's a really solid score because I love piccolo lattes, and I um and I did enjoy like listening to this. I didn't I it, I didn't hate it. Um and again that's not necessarily like the the scale here, but um you know I appreciate I appreciate what she does. I appreciate the production. I think there were some amazing melodies, amazing orchestration. Uh, not something that I'm going to listen to again after this podcast. So thus. Uh, I give it a piccolo, uh, and um, and that is Ariana Grande's positions. Blissfully true. Honest and real, and admiration. For my lonely days without you Next album we have for you this evening is the Putbacks album titled Crossover. So the Putbacks are essentially rhythm section, drums, bass, guitar, keys, and percussion. And I've t- <laughs> it's quite funny talking about this because I've taken this off a um, off their band page. But you know, we I think we all of us know people in this band, so it's quite weird talking about people we know in a. Uh, in a bio context, but according to the bio, they're stone cold pros, grizzled veterans of all the tours and all the studios. As individuals, they're players behind so many bands, it's difficult to list, but let's start with Hiatus Coyote, the Bombay Royale, which is um, Tom's in Bombay Royale, I think. Dede Dumbo, Swooping Duck, The Meltdown, the Black Arm Band, not to mention their ongoing collaboration with Emma Donovan. 
When they came together as a group, they're one of the tightest, sharpest, most dynamic musical units ever to exist, and I would agree with that. And the putbacks take their cues from great house bands of the 60s and 70s, Soul Studios, Think, The MGs, The Meters, The Wrecking Crew, as well as film composers such as David Axelrod um, to Adrian Young, and contemporary instrumental groups Bad Bad Not Good and Krungbun. The putbacks play together with an understated confidence and an uncanny report, a symbiotic unit that moves together with near psychic intuition. Minimal, spooky and elastic, the putbacks slide from dance floor fire to cinematic interlude and back from densely composed music to free improvisation, blurring all the lines in between. No one who sees them play has any doubts. They're in the presence of mastery. These guys are good. Well, they are good. They're really good. Um, you know, I played in a band with Tom Martin for a little bit. Um, you know, Mick Ma is... Uh, look, Tom... Tom's probably my... Math. This band are really interesting. I'm going to just flick all over the place here, but... <laughs> Tom is such an insane guitarist. I mean, you know, what about the night we saw him with Miguel Atwood Ferguson? It was just crazy yeah. watching Miguel just talk about how amazing Tom was on stage. It was it was uh, vindication is the word. Um, look, Mick Ma is is basically my favourite bass player in in this country. Like I love Mick's playing and look when I when I started um, I took over for him from him and Kylie Aldis band and I spent a really lovely night in his studio just playing through parts and and that night he he played me the test pressing for Dawn which was the first album they did with Emma Donovan and I remember thinking at the time oh yeah it's okay <laughs> it's okay and I wasn't really clocking what he was playing me and then you know six months down the track I was like oh my god this is amazing and you know, I actually think to this day, I think that's probably the best soul album that's come out of this country. That album is incredible. I love it. And what they do with that woman is is something amazing. Um, these guys playing together have a special bond. Um, and they're just so perfectly suited to each other. Every, every person has, you know, their spot in the band and... As it said in the bio, they play as a symbiotic unit, and that's actually true. So, look, I'm going to talk a little bit about it, but I might throw to Arik first. And, you know, what did you think of, of, of the album uh, Crossover? Yeah, look, I mean, I think I'll just echo everything you said about the pullbacks. Um, Tom Martin, in particular. I mean, I mean, as a guitar player myself, uh, I mean, the guy is just the undisputed best play guitar player in the country um i'm happy to just put it out there it like from tone to just taste it's just all brilliant so whenever the putbacks put anything out i'm just straight it straight into it um i uh i loved their last record actually which is an instrumental record that had this amazing yeah it's beautiful i forget what the name of the song was but it went what's it what what is it called is it oranges i don't I think I, it is. I, I think so um <laughs> sorry about that but also i zoned out temporarily as i was having a memory of the one and only time that i've met tom where it was i had just flown down to have this first time ever jam with simon and he was like, oh, shit, I've got to go to the putbacks gig. Come with me. And we go to the gig and I ended up 
spending the gig with Tom's dad and because uh, I was saying I knew nobody in Melbourne. Um, I just remember Tom looking at me like, who the hell are you? <laughs> Why are you hanging out with my dad? <laughs> and I don't know, he just gave me this really weird look and I was just like, oh, sorry. I don't. <laughs> anyway, that flashed through my head. So I kind of zoned out and then you asked me something. <laughs> Well, look. I mean, well, Tom's dad um, runs a guitar school, I think, and that's and Tom used to teach at his dad's guitar school. I think that okay. was that's the story. His dad's a really good guitarist as well. So yeah, anyway, so um, look to to the record. Um, I think you know, but Eric, don't forget Dukes. Dukes is like Dukes, Dukes. is like the great like understated drummer. Dukes, like, is, you know, Dukes is look. Dukes he is he can do anything. That guy, he, yeah, amazing he, drummer. He, he's incredible. I mean, and of course Simon Maven. Um, you know, fuck. I mean, it's it's. Let's not give Simon too much credit though, because you know, obviously, you know, <laughs> Grammy nominated Simon Maven. I mean, let's just talk about the other guys let's talk about the other in the guys. band who don't have Grammy nominations. Let's talk about the other guys. <laughs> I mean, my my only experience with Simon was I played a wedding gig with him. In two thousand and two thousand and nine, uh, and I think he would have been—he would have been really young then. And we, we were—we were playing. Um, what's the song? Um, uh, Stuck in the middle with you, and I don't know what you're feeling tonight. Great song, and um, and I and I just remember, remember like suddenly we were doing Stuck in the Middle with You. Next minute, we were like in like fucking spiritual jazz land um in the middle of stuck in the middle with you and i was like who is this guy he's amazing um but look we'll probably Do you yeah. want me give you an embarrassing story i'll give you an embarrassing story Eric. Go, 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 I, when go. i met simon I was, I was playing my first gig with kylie at woodford and i'd just seen mantra play and then hiatus were playing as well that night and we'd seen them it was it was amazing and I'm possibly partaking in some substances at the time. I, I can't remember. It was all a bit hazy. But anyway, I was sitting at the table and then Kylie introduced me to this guy and I thought it was Mantra. And so I was like going, oh my God, that's amazing. Like, do you come up with those raps? Like, do you come up with that like freestyle? And he's going, no, no, it's all it's all set. Like, it's all set. And I'm like going, wow, it sounds like so ad lib. And I thought it was Mantra, but it was actually Simon Maiden. That is incredible. And I spent five minutes talking to him thinking he was completely somebody else. I love that. And well, suffice to say, it's quite <laughs> embarrassing when I worked it out. We might thread Natalie to find out if if, if uh, Simon actually does do freestyle hip-hop, but um, <laughs> in the meantime, I'll just go to – we will get into the record. And um, so, putbacks, there's something about like – amazing players that can often disrupt an amazing singer and uh you know you there's like there's there's bands that are like brilliant instrumental bands and then when a singer comes along like that sort of choppiness and all that cool shit can start to sort of like bang into the vocalist and what i feel the putbacks are such masters at is like they've got their last record which was like this instrumental thing and then th- here they are supporting a singer-songwriter and 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 what really kind of st- like Im- immediately popped out for me was that the band was serving the vocalist and and that's a really like it, it's not an easy thing to do for a band that are, are so highly skilled and are able to do anything 
but they just sort of sort of like sat in the pocket and and I really felt that the songs themselves like I, I don't know how the songs were written but it really did feel like Emma Donovan wrote these songs and the band kind of brought them to life in the most tasty and respectful way um, so I just wanted to kind of acknowledge that because this record really feels like Emma Donovan is 100% the centerpiece here and the band is definitely the like playing the supporting role and as it kind of should be in like a, a soul record with a vocalist who of Emma Donovan's caliber and we you know we've spoken about Ariana Grande's mastery and amazing vocal technique but there's something about when you listen to Emma Donovan that like grounds you to the earth and you just feel everything she's got this incredible mm. way of projecting power and strength and emotion and vulnerability that i i i would i would i would be hard pressed to find a vocalist currently working on the planet that does it as good as emma donovan like it's it's old school like soul in the deepest level without being referential and without sounding like anyone that's come before like it's completely her voice um so that was kind of my immediate response um like for me the record sort of i felt like it it just took a bit of time to warm up so i kind of went through tracks one to four and it was all sort of this sort of relatively down tempo kind of soul music and then come track five to track seven it just completely shifted gears for me and I felt like almost the album was put together to ensure that that trio of songs was like the knockout punch. So for me, the th- my, my three favourites were, um, I'm just pulling up the track listing here, uh, Pink Skirt just uh, just really just kind of grabbed me in. I was I was sort of cooking and, and then Pink Skirt came on and I was like, fuck, this is really good. And then I'd, I'd previously heard the song Yari, Yarian Mitji, um, which I guess from my understanding is sung in um, in language. I'm not sure which language group Emma Donovan belongs to, but it's sung in a, in a in First Nations language of Emma's country. Um, and then uh, Leftovers comes out, and it's this is like up tempo funk track. But I think I can't I can't uh, review this album without just I guess declaring Yarian Midji in so much as a moment in this country and and potentially a moment in like soul history for 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 a soul band to to perform a song with a singer singing in language and it to sound so completely at home in that genre to me was was properly just knock out the backups were great it had a gospel feel um but it didn't feel referential. Like it did again. It didn't feel like it was being too referential. It really felt entirely properly suited to the language that it was sung in. So for me, those are the three standout tracks. I I um I love the record. I love the sound. Um, I loved the kind of the candy that that the band put in. And um, I couldn't recommend this this record high- more highly. Um, so I might throw to uh, to the two of you to for the next review. Mm. You go, Nat. What did what did you think of it? Okay, uh, I loved it. Hey, I um, I was 
really I really wanted to to check out this album uh, when I when I saw that it had come out. So this was like the perfect excuse. And um, I think my first thought, like on the first note, was just this like the beautiful tone, like the whole production of it. Um, when you sort of get taken back to that feel of the sort of 70s soul style of tone of record and like a, just so warm and mm. log sort of feeling. Um, so I loved that and I loved the whole vibe of it. Um, I really loved the the first track. I thought Crossover was a standout, standout for me. Um, and, yeah, it just had all these beautiful changes in it um, that kind of kept me really captivated. Um I also was really hooked on Pink Skirt. I thought that was a major standout, Pink Skirt and uh, Yaron Mitiji as well. I thought they were stunningly beautiful. And I also was just, like, amazed to be able to hear more um, Indigenous language and in particularly in soul genre. I, I just didn't, uh, you know, I guess I haven't heard that before and I feel like that's a, a boundary that we, like, so desperately need to be crossing and so grateful to have her there sort of leading the way for that sort of thing. Um, I think it's very much needed in this country uh, and just absolutely beautiful as well. Um, so, yeah, I was also really into Mob March. I thought that was cool um, and an important one as well, a really important subject. Um, so cool that she can really delicately broach these very heavy subjects uh, in a way that, you know, is going to be able to cross over to people that are just trying to have, you know, a leisurely musical experience but are actually going to be really hitting some hard issues as well. So I thought that was really cool. Um, overall, I thought it was a really beautiful yep. album. Um, I thought also Glenn Wilk took the the photo for their album cover of, of that photo of um, of Emma. Um, so another really beautiful Ah. Mm. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm saying beautiful all around. That was that album cover is stunning. Actually, mm. now that you've said that, that actually makes sense because there, there's there's similarities, isn't there, between the mm. two? Just just the way it's been shot. Mm. Well, color. I know. I know. I know. I know. Glenn. Glenn's got an amazing um, ability to to put to put the right colors into the right shoot, and, uh, yeah. and it really, yeah, agreed. It, it really, it really. It really stands out. So yeah, I mean, just as a question before we get to was like, as someone that's collaborated with with one of the members of the Putbacks, do you have any kind of insight as to how the songs get written? Um, two members of the Putbacks, by the way, because Rory, um, he played right. Cloud Cover, the opening track on my record. Um, oh wow! Yeah. Um, I, I'd say not because I think that, as far as I know at least, that the process that Simon and I had was completely different to his other experiences because, um, he like, when we first connected, pretty much said that the projects that he was working on, there was just so much going on, he was so busy, so flat out, and it was so overwhelming. If we were to work together, he'd want it to be, like, let let our project be kind of the easygoing, kind of the, the little moment of release from what has what are quite intense projects so i got the feeling that you know they must be like certainly high I, I think that's serious crafting so no idea what his process is like for the other bands but for ours was was more of a go in and and make 
the thing and have the fun <laughs> was was kind of what he was hoping for, I think. Yep, yep. I mean, because I, I do... Well, all the better for it. Yeah. I mean, I do uh, notice he, he's a producer on this record. So, I mean, it, he's he's clearly doing a good thing because, uh, you know, I mean, far out, like, to have the calibre of vocalists, you know, like yourself, like Emma, and, you know, I'm, uh, of course, not, not that he... I'm not sure how the hiatus crew work, but just, I mean, he's obviously surrounded with some incredible singers and has a clear sensitivity yeah. to letting that vocal really pop um which is which is a, an, an amazing skill um something mm. that that you know to the to the uns, unskilled ear might be a given but but you know so much goes into making records and and being highly skilled just as like on your own instrument to start with that that it it, it does require a level of sensitivity to you know uh, rein it in, peg back, and 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 let a vocalist lead. And and I think uh, you know, with your record, of course, and and this putbacks record, it's 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 clear that the vocalist is really given the space to be a vocalist, um, as opposed mm-hmm. to you know an additional instrument in a band that is making heaps of music. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 For sure. Oh, look, I mean, I was interested because uh, Mick and Emma wrote the first album, so I was really kind of interested to see. Like, I was, I looked at the credits, and it looks like it's more of a collaborative approach on this right. album. I mean, I mean, I, could, I guess I could call up and ask someone, and we could find out. Maybe we could just text someone and ask the question. <laughs> so, oh, we wouldn't have to speculate on a podcast We're recording. For five we're recording. We're recording a <laughs> podcast now. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, look, I mean, I, so actually that got me not worried, but I was just sort of like, I just thought it worked so well in the first instance that I was interested to hear. So I guess, I guess if you, if you allow me to go off into the, go, uh, into go, my go. quick review, um, my first experience with this album was the singles, which was, uh, don't give up on me. And then, and I think the second single was pink skirt. Um, and this album was so anticipated for me that I, I, in all honesty, I felt a little bit underwhelmed with the singles. So um, more so probably don't give up on me, but when the album came out a few weeks ago, I was actually a little bit apprehensive about listening to it because, you know, I wanted to like it so much. And as Natalie said, crossover starts, and by the time you're halfway through that song, you're sort of in just blissed out heaven. It is the most beautiful song. It is so interesting how it's conceived, you know, that sort of two octave step down in the pre-chorus or whether it's the chorus. It's it's just an amazing song. It's I loved it so much. Um, it's it's a perfect slice of 70s soul and Emma's voice is just so amazing and as it is across the whole whole album but you know it's full of depth and emotion it's actually too much um so I'm in love with that song and then the single hits and all of a sudden it just totally is put into context so the don't give up on me you know, from some, when it, when it when it came out as a single, I sort of didn't sort of see. Uh, I wasn't feeling it, but then it, you put it in context after the crossover, and then you know you get that real light and shade, which is at play. Um, Hold on 
is gorgeous. Um, Tom's tone, especially in the intro with that sort of 70s wah, West Coast vibe. Um, it was It's gorgeous. And the album keeps flowing and we get to Pink Skirt and then that gets put into context as well. And what sort of becomes really apparent is that they've sequenced the album so beautifully. Um, and it's just, it's just killing it, killing it. Um, so... I mean, the album's a freaking triumph, I think. Uh, and it's it's a triumph in the fact that it's, a, it's an album. And I love it. So, um, I would say that, uh, look, it's congratulations to, to all the band. I mean, you know, from going, uh, from, from following up from Dawn to this, it's... It's incredible, and I feel like I've done Emma a disservice by, you know, not really talking about how amazing she is as a vocalist, and and you've touched on it. Um, but I mean, what she does, I mean, she's so connected. She, like that voice is just connected to the. Feels like it's connected to the earth, and the she's she's totally in control of it. And as she sings, it's ah, oh, it's just incredible. So. Um, I, lo- I love this band. I love everything they do. Um, uh, I just think it's amazing. Anything else to say, Eric? Well, yeah. I mean, I uh, I mean, I concur with everything you said. What I'd love to know was, uh, is actually what kind of coffee you'll be buying from Future Cafe. <laughs> uh, look, it's that's a, that's an interesting one. Look, the the one thing I would say about like you know this the album Dawn. There's a song uh, "Keep Me in Your Reach," um, and it's such a beautiful m- major <coughs> chordal song, and and it gave this sort of it feels like you know the the breeze comes through the open window on a hot summer's day, and and I love the release of that one. And I don't, I I I I'm, I don't think I'm going to give it a cortado, but I think I'm going to give it you know a very you know. Uh, an awesome three-quarter latte. I'm I'm going like the seven and a half for this album. Yep. Is that ballpark for you? I don't that know. That is that is for me. Similarly, ballpark. I think my my feeling, and it, you know, it, it it's uh, you know, we like putting putting uh, biases aside. Um, given that you know it's Melbourne made, um, you know, we know people in the bands. Uh, we are we are comparing it to the best albums of 2020, and f- with that in mind, uh, I also kind of give it a three quarter latte. Um, I guess particularly for me, uh, it's not like it's not a criticism; it's just my own taste. But there was a certain tempo that the record was rolling in, which was kind of mid mid to down tempo. Um, kind of 70 soul and and that that's a really it's a that that space and you know i think it's really also important to acknowledge that the putbacks are like the ogs in so much as like then you know when it like like it's unfair to say like karangaban like it's more like karangaban are like the putbacks um so but that but that is now the scale right so um mm. To, to that end, you know, the, the, the tempo, like the kind of mid-tempo to down-tempo for me just got a little bit, um, 
I don't want to say repetitive because that's again the wrong word, but it just I felt like when it lifted on track what was it it was track seven leftovers where suddenly it really started to flex a bit with a bit more kind of energy that's when i really kind of got back in so you know to me that those three tracks in the middle uh they're just masterpieces um and and you know that's that's where i sort of sit with it i give it a i give it a three-quarter latte seven out seven out of ten what about you natalie so I don't remember which coffee was which category now, um, <laughs> but uh, was it was it the three quarter latte? Latte is that the six to eight? No, is that the eh? What is what? <laughs> and what? But then what was eight to ten? Because then there's a crossover. What's what's eight to ten? That's right. That's so, the cortado. That's the cortado. Oh, that's the cortado. Okay. Cortado. Well, I guess I'm Cortado because I was thinking like an eight for, for this record. Um, uh, like super, super beautiful. And I would definitely be uh, telling people that they should go and listen to this record. I think we're all in agreement. So so that's a seven out of ten, three-quarter latte eight. from Mark. A seven and a half. Oh, sorry. Three-quarter latte from me and an eight from Natalie. You, you jumped the gun there. We're 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 within a seven point five. Uh, uh, what's the what's the word average? Seven point five average for this album. Yeah. All right. So th- that was uh, the Putbacks album crossover. Even for the fittest, it ain't easy for survival. Brothers get shot by 5 0 with their hands held high. Yo, white folks with rifles walk out in cuffs. We had it up to here, that's how Eiffel's hide the stuff. Sometimes praying Bibles ain't enough for the dark skinned niggas that don't hide from the sun. Take the life of your son and everyone you love. This ain't no spray tan or reverse vitiligo. It's my permanent. So, the third album we have for you this evening is Quakers 2 The Next Wave. Quakers are a super group consisting of three producers, Fuzzface, Jeff Barrow, who's uh, one of the uh, luminaries from Portishead, uh, Seven Stew Seven, and Catalyst. Uh, the debut studio album Quakers was released in 2012 and featured a host of guest rappers, many whom the band discovered using MySpace at the time. The group is signed to Stones Throw Records, and I actually think this may even be the first album we've reviewed from Stones Throw, which seems quite strange since we're such massive fans of them. Anyway, uh, Quakers are back with Quakers 2, The Next Wave. Um, It's 50 minutes, 33 tracks, 31 rappers, 3 producers, 1 album. Um, the new wave of Quakers MCs includes uh, Koreatown Oddity, Guilty Simpsons, Sampa Gets a Run, John Wayne, Jeremiah J, Chester Watson, Boo Brown, and more. Um, much like Quakers' self-titled debut, The Next Wave is loud, unapologetic and blunted. Um, it's political with songs that speak directly to corruption, racism, and climate crisis. Um, the world has changed, as Super K says, and the music reflects that. Um, Natalie, you brought this album to us tonight, um, and mm. I think that you've been digging it f- for a while. What, what, let it give us your thoughts on it. 
Well, I came kind of late to the party on it, to be honest. So I'd been meaning to check it out and just hadn't done it yet, and only actually checked it out last week. And I mean, like my jaw was just dropping. I, it's so 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 good. Um, and like from like the artwork is amazing for like each of the tracks as well. Beautiful artwork and. Um, the I think if, I feel like the whole project is meticulously put together, which just uh, reminds me of why I have so much respect for Catalyst because I, I feel like he's a perfectionist, and obviously everybody in this team is a perfectionist because I feel like everything comes together really tight, um, and the um, the features, man, like huge features, huge, huge, huge features and so well done as well. Like I had so many favorites, um, and, and was so intrigued by a lot of the content and moved by the content as well. Like you said, there's a lot of socio political, social political focus and, and important subjects that we need to be thinking about. And they're like presenting it um in in such a cool way um that is you know it's going to get to so many people um and it like I, I just felt like so many of the rhymes were just so clever the beats were so um so solid um and really like holding it down um I had favorites some of the favorites were um I really love this station the the one that features Jeremiah J um, that was a huge standout for me. Mm-hmm. And I loved the Koreatown Oddity tunes as well, um, Double Jointed in particular for yep. that. The line with Cavalier, that was really cool. I, I mean, there was like actually tons of, of favourites, um, to be honest. So, I mean, like the, the best thing in the world would be if you could possibly see this be performed live. I don't know how that would ever happen, but that would just be like a dream, dream show. A hundred percent. I I couldn't agree more. I'm, I'm, I'll let you. Keep would it on. be a dream? It might be like a. a it might just get crazy. <laughs> yeah, that would yeah. be the dream. <laughs> oh, it'd be like a Wu Tang. It'd be like Wu Tang. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe well, it would be. <laughs> well, here's a here's a question, Natalie. Because I mean, I I'll I'll let you keep on going, but I I I do want just to get your take on this because this is something that resonated with me when I heard this. It almost felt like a set, right? Like, I mean, like in terms of 33 songs, 54 minutes running time, the way each track went to another, it was almost like a, a DJ was like playing live in, in a way. Like it, it really had a live element to it that immediately for me took me straight to I have to see this live. Did you have that oh, feeling cool. as well? I I don't know if that's the reason why I thought it, but I was just thinking how amazing it would be. But I think I was probably more thinking about the lineup would just be insane, you know? Yeah, true. True, true. Any, were there any other standouts for you? Like, I mean, fuck, um, there's 33 songs here, so it's a hard pick, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, definitely more standouts. Um, I loved some of the great contribution uh, to it. And um, mm. and side note, this is an interesting story. I was there for the recording session of that song. Um, and wow. yeah, this was back, like this was a few years ago when I was uh, – working with Catalyst on a record and I had introduced him to my new friend Sampa 
And uh, this was before she'd done the mixtape. And um, and he was wow. like, yeah, cool. So in Sydney? Yeah, in Sydney. Yeah, yeah, right, right. And so um, this is why you're here. Uh, now yeah. we're, we're getting the stories. We've teased it out. <laughs> yeah. and we're, they're coming out. Let's just, let's just keep this podcast going for another couple of hours now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've just pressed. We've we've actually just only now pressed record. Only just right now. Everything else was a warm up. All right, you go, you go, you go, you go. So the story is that I told Catalyst that I had a friend who was a really good rapper, and he was like, "Yeah, cool, like bring her over," and it's. Um, uh, you know, and it's Sampa the Great. And, but this is before she's Sampa the Great. This is before the mixtape, before the anything. And um, uh, he was like, yeah, just like try out this rap. And she just annihilates it. It was like, she's like, oh, let me, let me just sit down and write this thing. I'm just going to, I'm just going to write a few ideas down, you know? And then, like, I don't know how long it took, but just not much later. She's like, no, oh, this is this thing, you know? What do you, what do you think about that? And he's like, oh, yeah. Oh, shit. Okay. She's legit. And um, and then not so long after that, she was working on the mixtape. And then not so long after that, she's, you know, queen of the world. So <laughs> that actually makes sense to me because that sounds pr- like I was thinking it sounds a bit subdued. Like I really like the track, but as, as a rap, uh, knowing what she's done on, you know, on what's happened with her, the, the, the delivery in the rap sounds like a little bit dialed down to what she's what she mm. does on on her album. So mm. the fact that that was I that's done pre Sampa Sampa that mm. makes heaps way sense more sense to me now. I think. Yeah, mm. I, I, I'm I'm in the same boat. Like I mean, for me, her track was like because it, there's a there's a far like of all of the tracks on this album, like Sampa did, like kind of brought this sort of melodic rap to this album which was almost like the first time like kind of melody was sort of inside this record so that's an amazing story thank you so much for sharing because far out to think that this was actually done i guess before the whole thing actually happened is that's yeah amazing amazing Oh, we've just broken yeah. something. We've broken. We've broken a story. it. We've broken it. It's uh, it's it's it's. This is this. This is the. This is a Stephen Kornacki moment, was huh? This is it right here. So, I guess I'll uh, I'll throw in my review now. Um, so just to kind of go back. Um, to an earlier release, we, we've we've reviewed quite a few hip hop releases this year. Um. Uh, one one particular one that stood out like kind of unanimously was the Run the Jewels record, um, which we we were all completely crazy about just in terms of like how hard hitting it was, um, and I dare say that this Quakers album has uh, dethroned Run the Jewels in my mind as the hardest hip hop record that I've heard this year. Wow. I'll, I'll go through my fa- yeah, I mean, I'll go through my favorite, my favorite things. Um, I mean, my first comment was like, I started listening to this at dinner, and I and I'm listening to it, and I was like, hold on a minute, this is 33 songs with 54 minutes. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be running late for this podcast. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I fucking loved this. Um, start it like this. Uh, I think that was track two. Um, I just, I loved the sample. Yeah. 
um, it immediately gave me Wu Tang vibes, and mm. and like from a production level, I loved how thin it all was. Like I guess hip hop in twenty twenty, so often is like big sub bass, you know, mega bottom end, finding that sweet spot for the vocal, and this like completely threw that rule book out and took us back to like ninety five, where it was like and you know. Uh, like a turntable and an MC and it felt like we've talked about sample based stuff we talked about logic stuff earlier this year was um, but this to me was like the ultimate kind of samples meets MC kind of record um, so that thinness to me just gave me this immediate um, old school vibe and 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 then it just kind of made me think that like where we might be at this kind of moment of a resurgence around this sort of like lo-fi hip-hop that's not lo-fi in a 2020 context but it's actually lo-fi in a like in the in the real way that that Wu-Tang style was super lo-fi and I mean, without kind of preempting things you know was both me and you have listened to the J Electronic record, which I believe might be coming up in a future episode, and and this to me immediately kind of reminded me of of the J Electronic stuff as well, which is kind of really channeling this like simplified. When I say simplified, it's not simple at all, but I I mean it from a kind of less polished perspective of a simplified hip hop sound of like Wu Tang and and that whole that whole tip. So. Started like this just completely killed me and that sample with the guitars and like a really, really mm-hmm. like almost like like impossibly audible kick drum. Like you could barely hear the kick drum and I was like, I fucking love this. Um, uh, that, that, that just got me off on the right foot. Um, then there was Bare Essentials and that just was like totally popping I, and, you know, to what you were saying before, Natalie, about wanting to see this live, I was like, I really want to see this track, Bare Essentials, played live. I love the fact that they were rapping without the triplet thing, um, <laughs> which I've talked about in the Ariana Grande review. Like, it didn't have that da 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 thing. It was like just flow and words and poetry that just felt beautiful. Um, I loved all the breaks. Look- like, it was a bit more old school in that fact, wasn't totally. it? Like it was more about the verse than it was about the music. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And then there were the, all those breaks, which had that sort of like it's a DJ and an MC thing happening. Um, and I just loved also the different voices on each of the tracks. Like, you know, like an album like this, you could call it a mixtape. Um, like some label dick could call it a mixtape. But this felt like a crafted album where the right voices were showing up at the right time, and I was just, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just completely blown away by this album. Um, the next track that just grabbed me was called "A Myth," and it just again gave me that Wu Tang vibe, and I was just, I was completely bananas about it. My housemate walked in while I was listening to this, and we were like, "He was like, what is this?" I was like, "This is fucking like new." And yeah, it was amazing. Um, in terms of lyrical content, um, the song Gun Control, I thought again was just another absolute ball tearing banger. Um, and I, I mean, the lyric 
that stood out for me was gun control means using both hands in my land and like it's just it's such a it's such a serious thing and you know fuck like living in the US right now it's a it's a tough gig and and these rappers really I feel highlighted that um another lyric in gun control was 356 mass shootings in 365 days and He's throwing that down over like something that sounded like either a funkadelic sample or a guitar player just absolutely nailing the Eddie Hazel funkadelic sound. And I was just, I was like, I've written in my notes, I'm dying. Like, I'm completely yeah, yeah. dying. This is so hard. Um, I've crossed that with um, Rage Against the Machine, I thought. Totally, totally. And, uh, you know, I wrote, I love the soft kick. Um, it does something really. It does something really profound to highlight the vocals in such a cool way, where the the vocals just drive this, which is what hip hop, I guess, was about. Um, then morphine shows up, and I've written in my notes: this is officially taking the title of the heaviest hip hop record of the year. And you know, approach with caution. I was like. I was again. I wasn't looking at my screen when "Approach with Caution" came on. I was like, "I'm sorry, but that fucking sounds like Sam of the Great." And lo and behold, I've gone to the Spotify. I was like, "Oh my god, it's Sam of the Great! That's so amazing!" And you know, Natalie now has given us a, an amazing gem, which is really, really. Yeah, she introduced them. Yeah, yeah. completely. <laughs> and then we've got oh, we've got for real um, amazing raps talking about the prison industrial complex. And I, I, I think I wrote here that, you know, looking at this and looking at the Common Record, um, which we reviewed a few weeks ago, and of course run the Jewels and Logic, that like, like this this kind of wave of of rappers making these incredible records feels like this amazing summary of where what we're living through right now, a pandemic. You know, in an American context, all this so, sort of social upheaval, um, you know, it's it's it, it, it's pretty amazing. I feel as though these kinds of records will be documents that really capture this era. Um, and then finally, the last thing was that, you know, similar to what I said before, is that it, it, it felt like an album. It felt like beginning to end, 33 tracks from 1 to 33 were completely linked and planned. And... Um, I, I cannot gush harder on this record. I'm completely obsessed. This is as good a record as I've heard this year. So I might start on my review and I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go there. I'm this is a cortado. Wasn't that the review? Well no, I'm gonna go to my score. And this is like Oh, you getting, you want me to get my review first? No, 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 no. no, no. I'm, 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 okay. I'm vibing right now. Um <laughs> This is a fucking this is a this, this is a cortado from the top shelf, yeah. right? I yeah. am, yeah. I'm, I'm sitting in a in a in a plaza in in the south of Spain, and I'm eating a delicious chocolate treat um, with my cortado, and I'm watching the day go by, and I'm smoking inside, I'm smoking outside, <laughs> you know, I'm smoking in the toilet, you know, it is like. Spanish Catholic. Breathe. It's, it's forty-five degrees, and and you yeah. know it's. Uh, I'm smoking. What is it called? Pueblo. I'm rolling up some Pueblo. I'm I'm uh, I'm getting my cortado okay. served. Cortado. Yeah, it, cortado. it's a deep cortado for me. Ten out of ten. 
Wow, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Big one. I'm right there with you Woo. for all of that. I'm Cortado all the way. I'm jumping right. in at that Double score. Double Cortado. <laughs> so Maybe I should just not give my review because so, like, I feel like I'm going to zig a bit when everyone's zagging. But uh, Cortado, just, let's just go, man. <laughs> I can't give it a cortado. There's no cortado. I can't give it a cortado. It's all right. There's just like um, look, I liked it. I did like it. Um, I, I, like I would disagree, Eric. I mean, this is not a, as hard as Run the Jewels. I mean, Oof. I think you need to go back and put on Run the Jewels, and then put on this Quakers album. Is clearly not as heavy duty as Run the Jewels. That is heavy duty. This is not that. But, like, you know, it's, it's, it's heavy. Um, look, I, I found it to be a bit more of a mixed bag than you did. There was a lot of tracks that were just killer. Um, but there were some that weren't so killer, I found. Um, you know, there, there were some tracks that were, you know, quite simplistic, which is fine. And, you know, it it seemed to be made or, you know, make or break on the back of the of the sampled loop, you know, and it was a two-chord sample loop a lot of the time. And if that sort of loop wasn't kicking, then I found myself sort of disconnecting a little bit from, from the actual content of the lyrics at times. Um, and, like, you know, tracks I would sort of pick out in the negative was like Who Dat and Radiola and Hit List. I just found them a bit melodically lacking. Um and so I just, I just, I struggled to get connect with those ones. But when it when it won, like on heat on it and the Sampa track, and when the tracks were expanded, I I, I just see you guys tuning out here because he's just crapping on. No, no, I'm here because it's all here. about the cortado. It's a cortado. Was that? <laughs> was that just before you go on? I just want to just make yeah. a note that you know yes. me and Natalie have been sitting in the late afternoon sun, sipping our cortados <laughs> and <laughs> eating our yeah, sweet yeah, yeah. snacks. And, yeah. and and what we want is we want yeah. you to come and join us. I want you to come with a plethora of pinchos and just like distribute pinchos. amongst us. Yeah, yeah, I, I get it. I get it. Um, look, the, the songs I love, like Double Jointed, Banger, The Streets, Banger. I love Drew the Damager. Like, you know, I'm 90s freaking hip hop freak. Like, I love Drew the Damager. For real, for real. Massive fan of the damage. Um, look, the the messages came through strongly, strongly on the tracks I connected with. Um, I loved the change in gun control. That was just oh god, amazing. So, look, I'm going to give the people what they want. <laughs> they want me to get to the score. It's not a cortado, okay? I'm just not doing it. It's a three quarter latte. It's a seven. There you go. All right. Done. All right. So we've got uh, double cortados over here. And was uh, is at the is he's at the adjacent table, grumpy, <laughs> eating, having. There's a, too much smoke in the room. Too much smoke. Like, have you ever done a gig in? Have you ever done a gig in Spain? Like, I did a gig in Spain one night when there's so much smoke in the room that I was trying to tell the guitarist who was two meters away to take a solo, but there was so much smoke I was asphyxiating. I was going, "Take a solo," and he couldn't hear me. And I was that's, well, so that's what this album was. Look, potentially, was uh, I mean, you know, we're going to find out in the next record. Maybe, maybe you don't actually like Cortados. I mean, that that's something I love. <laughs> I do like good donors. Uh, anyway, that's a, a seven and two. T- are you giving it a ten, uh-huh. Natalie? Is that what you're giving it? Yep, ten. All right, that's a ten. double ten. 
that's a first yep. for the All Music Is Good podcast. Two tens and a seven. Okay, let's move. We're going to move on to our last album. Yachty, Mama, you can bet. Arik, tell us a little about bit about this amazing female artist. Okay, so going off uh, her bio on Spotify, a little less based in funk and hip hop than the many works credited to her birth name. Georgia and Muldrow's recordings as Jotty have emphasised soul jazz and experimental electronic music, two other forms instilled in her since childhood. All three albums Muldrow has released under the name Okotia, 2010, Dedendra, 2013, and Mama You Can Bet, which is the one that we're reviewing today, have been issued through Some Other Ship, the independent label operated by the Grammy-nominated musician and her partner, Dudley Perkins. Muldrow's discography was already deep by the time singer-rapper, multi-instrumentalist, songwriter and producer debuted Jotty, a name given her given to her by family friend Alice Coltrane. Okatia introduced Jotty in... Wow. There you go. Okatia introduced Jotty in June 2010 with Muldrow, the composer and performer of each element. The album won Jazz Album of the Year at the BBC DJ Giles Peterson's annual Worldwide Awards Ceremony the following January. Amid Muldrow's constant stream of new recordings... Dedendra arrived at the second Jotty album in September 2013 and was likewise instrumental, but came across more like an avant-garde, an avant-jazz beat tape. After another series of Georgia Ann Muldrow's releases highlighted by the Grammy-nominated Overload, Muldrow dusted off Jotty in 2020 and released Mama, You Can Bet. The LP broke from Jotty's tradition by incorporating Muldrow's vocals and inputs from other musicians, namely saxophonist Lakeisha Benjamin, who was featured on Ra's Noise. Also included were remixes by Charles Mingus' tracks, originally commissioned by Jason Moran and the Kennedy Center. Not to be confused by Melbourne underworld figure Jason Moran, but clearly a different <laughs> Jason Moran. Come on, dude. Everyone knows a jazz artist, Jason Moran. Come yeah, on. Yeah, true, true, true. So, um, who wants to go first with this record? Oh, I could go first if you want. <laughs> all right. Yeah, all right. I mean, go I mean, was his side definitely like set set up where he's going so you you give us what you got <laughs> that's Natalie. true yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna put out a little ray of sunshine into the air before you let the cloud cover it or whatever it was gonna do um <laughs> that so, is not true that's not true <laughs> well it was a, it was a it. harsh reply. um it's deep <laughs> it's deep it's dense yeah 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I get you. I get you. Um, this record, I loved it from the outset. Um, I initially, when I first started listening to it, I was on the bus and I was like, no, no, you can't do it like this. She, you can't play this record in this setting with these people, this noise. And like waited till I got home so I could properly listen to it through speakers uh, and, and really take it in and enjoy it. Um, I literally was like, okay, so uh, this track's my favourite. Oh, no, 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 this track's my favourite. Oh, no, 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 this track's my favourite. Like to pretty much every song. I was pretty much in love, to be honest. Um, I'd like my notes here actually say, Zane the Scribe, track number three is my favourite. Ra's Noise is my favourite. Bemonable Lightning is my favourite. Orgon is my favourite. Swing Kiriku is something. That's my favourite. And then I was like, yeah, that's definitely my favourite. I don't know. And then I'm like, no, definitely favourite is now Ancestral Ducats. Uh, I was just like, to everything, I was like, holy shit. So, so good. I love it. It's like peaceful, spiritual, beautiful, soulful, intelligent. You can groove to it. You can vibe to it. It's like it's ticking all of the things that I wanted it to take that day. So beautiful. So can I ask you a question, Natalie? Like, had you listened to any of her previous stuff in the jazz context? Not as Giotti, no. Uh, I've listened to... No. So had you listened to her Georgia Mulgrove? Yeah. Yeah, and generally speaking, I love everything she does. I'm, I'm, if I don't totally love it, I'm definitely intrigued by it, but most of the time I love it. Okay. So um, I guess there's a <laughs> maybe, maybe I'll just have a quick chat. Was, I mean, <laughs> was you need to collect yourself. I'm going to go next. My brain is spinning with this album. <laughs> I'm going to go next, um, and I'm going to pick up on a few things that Natalie mentioned. And, and, and I've also got a few questions for you, Natalie. Um, but I might go with where like things that stood out for me first. Um, I was really glad that you brought up Zane the Scribe, as that for me was the the first track that grabbed my attention. Like to me, it it had this like Martin Denny meets Jay Dilla vibe. It was like, and then in my head, I'm like, what a fucking cool combo. Um, for those unfamiliar, Martin Denny um, was like the forefather of a particular genre that you know. To, like in 2020 is a bit complex in so much as its name um but i will just use the name that he's known for which is the exotica genre which has this kind of super psychedelic kind of island vibe to it and i feel like zane the scribe like kind of tapped that martin denny tip but had all that sort of swagger and wonk of a jay dilla record and and to, to create that um that kind of uh, mush of sorts I thought was incredibly cool and not an easy thing to pull off. Ra's Noise, I wrote, was was fucking rad. Um, it had this free jazz thing with a really bent feel. Um, and again, it just sort of reminded me of this sort of, you know, this spiritual jazz resurgence that we're seeing. We, we You know, we've, we've talked about Nubia Garcia earlier this year as someone to keep an eye on and and this really kind of tapped that sort of spiritual jazz tip. Um, but, and I wanted to throw to you, Natalie, about this because, you know, I mean, my reaction was really quite visceral in so much as that that these, like the songs to me, 
like more than like I, I I would struggle to recall and like hum back or sing back any hooks, but broadly they gave me this feeling, and the feeling to me was this sort of beautiful kind of union between super unnerved and disrupted and then really really playful and i'd be curious to hear from you like if you had like a kind of feeling response to the record um i uh, i'm not sure that's i guess it's kind of a tricky conversation for uh, question for me because i think i only respond to things with feeling because i'm not like uh, I'm not very good at breaking music down or like understanding its theory or whatever. So either I really vibe on it or I really don't vibe on it. And um, if yeah. I vibe, it means I'm getting all of the internal feels, I guess. So yeah, maybe actually I should just say yes. <laughs> yeah, no, no, but that, that's not true. Um, but but I, I guess I, my my curiosity is around like if you could kind of define the kind of feeling that you had. What, what were some of the feelings that came up for you when listening to this record? Like, can you put that into words or is it, is, 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 is um, it more like something? Well, I can tell you what was happening at the time. So once I'd gotten off the bus and brought myself back home, I started cooking. So I was in the kitchen cooking on there, dicing vegetables, and she's playing on the speakers. And there was just a whole lot of, oh. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, what, were you cooking? what were you cooking at the time? Uh, a, 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 um, a version of an Ethiopian curry that uses cabbage and carrot and pumpkin. Well, this might be a beautiful segue into a segment that we uh, have only run <laughs> once on this show. Well, well no, it is, a, it is a good segue because basically, basically we... Speaking of Ethiopian curries. Well, basically, a few weeks ago, we had um, Kumar Shom. Uh, who's a guitar player, plays in Sampa the Greats Band and also plays in um, Ajak Choir's Band. Um, and he's made a real thing through COVID of, uh, of basically going through these recipes that he cooks. And just so you know, was um, the Kumar Shom Chicken Curry got a run um, by a third party who listened to our podcast. Basically, no yes, way. yes, I went camping this week and the uh, the person I went camping with was like, hey, guess what? I've made the Kumar Shom chicken curry and we ate that for three days. Wow. So, um, Natalie. <laughs> amazing, amazing chicken curry, by it the way. It is an amazing chicken curry. So, Natalie, I mean, like I, I don't mean to kind of put you on the spot <laughs> and if it's too much, you just let us know. But could you potentially walk us through the... The, the 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 curry that you made and 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 how you made it. Oh my god! Are you serious? Wait, can can you give me thirty yeah, seconds? Yeah, just I mean, what just makes, top line. Just top yourselves. line. You can on, look. It can be, it can be thirty seconds. It can be thirty minutes. We've got all night. Um, whilst Natalie, whilst, whilst Natalie looks up the recipe, um, yeah, uh. I might. So would it be? Do you reckon there's? Do you reckon there's goat in it? Well, like, no. It's a, it's, it's, like, it's a chicken curry. Na- Natalie said. Well, she didn't say it was chicken. She said it was Ethiopian curry. No, she didn't I, say chicken. I believe she it could said, have been goat. It could have been okay. some sort of you know rare Ethiopian. I don't know. Yeah, you guys so ready Natalie for this? Up, amazing- I might continue. Oh. <laughs> 
yeah, Sorry, I just, just totally like, cut you off. Walk, walk us through step. Walk us through step by step. I mean, we 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 are here for the grinding of the spices, the whole thing. Let's go. Okay. <laughs> um, it is it is a go to, I suppose, uh, for me. So um, it's pretty much. And look, I think it's, I don't know if I'm doing it traditionally. This, so this is how I do it. Uh, so I hope I haven't ruined it. But um, you just put your oil and uh, finely chopped onions and some garlic in uh, a big pot. And um, you want to add a bit of chili, cumin and turmeric um, and a bit of like fenugreek. How much? Cardamom. Like a teaspoon of each? Do we think? Uh, the rest that I originally got is like half a teaspoon, but I always kind of double everything. So, uh, and it also depends on awesome. how much. It's important to know. Yeah, like I would go sort of like if they say half teaspoon, I would do like a heaped teaspoon. Um, so that's like uh, like a heaped teaspoon of cumin, turmeric, um, and then like a teaspoon of fenugreek, cardamom, and cinnamon. Um, salt like as much as you feel like you want to put in there to taste. And then I just go for like as much carrot, green cabbage and and butternut pumpkin as I have at the time, just like chop all of that up small and put it in there. Then you add some coconut milk, uh, veggie stock and water Mm. and simmer uh, on like on a a lowish kind of heat for like a long time. So they just slowly gets kind of smushy. Um, and then when you're ready to serve it, you have some little toasted slivered almonds to, to garnish the top of it with and have that with some rice. And it's really, really nice. So full veggie? Wow. Yeah, full veggie. So that I stuff like that is the perfect musician food because it's like cabbage and carrot is the cheapest thing in the world. And if you don't like eating meat, then you can still have something delicious, you know? So when the cabbage is slow cooked down, like what? How does that go with slow cooking cabbage? I've never actually slow cooked a cabbage; it still holds itself together. Um, well, unlike, I mean, in that case, unlike, I, unlike, was it? Unlike, unlike was review, the cabbage does hold itself <laughs> together. Oh, <laughs> Come on. Yeah. All right, let's go, let's go, Let it, let's go, yeah. let's go. Back to the Actually, question. You know, the, the cabbage, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the cabbage doesn't hold itself together. It, it does what what you do. It just goes all smushy. So, uh, yeah. Okay. Right. It's, a good, it's a good curry. We can link you to that recipe later. Please do. Look, well, no, I think we should post it on our. Please, yeah, please send it through. We'll put it on our um, on our IG story. That's that's important because we we may made it a habit to try every guest curry recipe that has been presented so far. So, yeah, we're we're ready. All right, amazing. So, just back to back to. So, I mean, to kind of summarize, the feeling that you had whilst doing this was whilst you were cooking. Was there? <laughs> yes, sorry. Was there? Was it like? Was anything coming up? Because yeah, as I said, for me, like I felt quite unnerved, but at the same time, quite joyous. Um, were there any words that yeah, popped I in felt, for you about this? Yeah, I felt joyous. I felt joyous, and I felt like, um, well, I mean, I wrote down the word peaceful because there were. Uh, not that I can remember exactly what was happening in it, uh, in all of those parts now, but um, 
um, weren't they uh, like singing bowls at some point? Um, like the fact that it's going to a, a meditative place at times, uh, I thought was a really nice element to have. Um, so, yeah, yeah joyous and peaceful at times for sure. Well, obviously inspired her to, to cook an Ethiopian curry. I mean, any any reason <laughs> to go deep into your happy place is, is a good <laughs> album, Arik, I think. So, was what did you reckon, man? I mean, you've, you're, you're all smushy like a broken down cabbage right now so let's hear from you man well, I, I don't know what it says about a relationship when you start misconstruing my size with like with negativity no, no mean, i'm not saying i'm not saying negativity i'm saying smushy it's different uh, yeah okay um look a, a lot like natalie for me jazz is about vibes and we've, we've talked about this before like i have you know, specifically decided never to go down this track because I love it. I love it, but I don't want to understand it. I just want to. I want to enjoy the what what it is in the moment. And if I if I'm going to deconstruct it and understand it, then I don't think I like it as much. But I guess sometimes when we do this podcast and you're listening to albums, you want the album to be something you can package up in a box and tie a ribbon on it, and it's done. And something that's easily identifiable and easy to deconstruct. And this is totally not one of those albums. And I think I was in that headset when I put it on. I'm like, I really need this to be like simple and I can just write a few notes and I'm done. And like we're in, we're two songs in. I'm like, oh, this is not one of those albums. Um, So like there's so much to unpack. I mean, like at its heart, like it's, it's a modern jazz album that, I don't know, it falls somewhere in the, you know, the spiritual, experimental, boundary-pushing side of of the genre, which is, like, both refreshing and challenging at the same time. And, you know, as we've said, like, it's a fusion of styles. Like, like the case in point that I sort of was thinking about was um, was Bap Duke, and it's, like, it's 70s electro miles funk fusion on acid, and then you get to the next track, which is this walk, and it's like cinematic and spiritual, and then you get to an off kilter Diller-esque um, beats vibe on on the um, Fabus Fuji mix, which was the Mingus um, reinterpretation, and um, I think I, I think I clocked that because I've got a heap of Mingus on vinyl in the collection, uh, and I think maybe it. it it felt familiar, but I, I love that song. But like, I mean, the whole album is it's multi-directional. It's it's deep, um, and the transitions were like how how interesting was that? Like they were so abrupt, and and they would hit you out of nowhere, and you'd go from these abrupt changes that was to these stylistically different tunes, and that that made it a real challenge to sort of get your head around. But like it was it was interesting through the whole the whole thing um but it just required serious listening um i loved the opening track um and it's it's a it's a spiritual homage to like her mother apparently and her mother was a um a vocalist uh ricky byers um who used to sing with pharaoh sanders a lot um and i just thought it was like it's a really natural start point and and it lulled you into the album before hitting you with like all the all the you know, the experimentation. Um, 
And it just, I guess it depends on how you like your, your jazz. Like for me, I can, and I'm not calling it a jazz album. It's it's a bit of everything album, but I think it, at, at its heart, it's a jazz album. Um, for me, I'm going to give this album a number of listens over the holiday season coming up because it's in my head when I said that, oh, like there's just so much to unpack in my brain for this album, you know, that lyrically like it's, it's, you know, exploring themes of violence and like racial exclusion. And um, I just thought it was cool how she played with rhythm and speed a lot. Um, there was, you know, a couple of tracks had some triple time stuff in there or stabs that were sort of sitting behind the beat. Um, and do you know what? The one question I'm going to ask myself is that, you know, I gave the, the Ariana Grande album, what, 7.5, I think. And like, I don't know if I'm going to give this album that, but like I can see that I'm going to unpack this album and and sit with it and live with it, and we'll probably end up with a higher score. But you know, it's you know, it as a review podcast, it's really hard to sort of you've, you've some albums you need to give more time to um, to to put them where they need to be, and I don't feel like it's going to be fair that the score I'm going to give this album is where it's going to end up at, at some stage. I actually, I'm not to preempt, well, you know, I, I do have to give a score in probably the next one, two minutes, but I still haven't thought about what score I'm going to give it yet. But it's it's a crazy album. It's crazy. And it's, it's awesome. I love that there's artists out there who do stuff like this. I think it's incredible. So I'm going to throw back to you. Did I actually say anything there, no, or did I just heaps. like waffle on heaps. for five minutes? No, you, no, no, okay. no, you legitimately said heaps. I might go next um, because I kind of agree. Have you ever talked about it? I thought you talked about no, it. No, already. no, but I'm going to go to my score no. because you haven't scored it okay. yet. Um, okay. But, uh, but I want to kind of like like touch on some of the things you've said, which is that this is almost like unreviewable in so much as. How do you put a number to such a like completely off-center space? Um, thinking about it yeah. in the context of like albums, and then like and then kind of looking, comparing it to like a Quakers, like looking at Quakers and going, "There's 33 songs. It runs for 54 minutes." Like my immediate look at that record was like this is like a elaborate mixtape um yeah but actually it completely fooled me and it was like a brilliantly constructed album this record to me actually feels like a mixtape like i didn't i didn't feel like i could kind of um like attach myself to a journey It, it, it i felt like i was constantly being pulled in all these different directions so like thinking about it from an album context and, and and I and I and I say this and um I say this just just in relation to the the kind of feeling of this record is I would say I don't know if I can score it highly as a record and an album so as such my score will probably lean towards a three-quarter latte i don't know if i'm gonna go back and spend heaps of time with this there's a there's a lot of records that have come out this year that that have given me a feeling that i want to sit in more and this kind of unnerved feeling 
that this record has given me is something that I'm sort of trying to avoid in my life. Uh, doesn't that make doesn't that make you feel like you know it's it's scratch it's, it's something you want to scratch and and get in there and have a have a play around with? I think so, but but I like I think this is an album that like if you're going to listen to it, you need to listen every time you put this on. You have to start it and finish it. It's not. It's not like a tap-in thing. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, there's songs. no in point. It, the in point is the first track. That's I agree right. With that. That's right. So um, I'm just going through my... Yeah, I mean, I, I, I made mention of Zayn, the, the scribe, Raz Noise, um, uh, Bemonable Lady G-Mix. Um, I loved that, and I'd be curious to know, you know, if that was something that popped for anyone. But... I, maybe it's maybe it's just yeah. Well, that's the Mingus track. Yeah, well, and but maybe it's also my own like bias. But you know, Orgon uh, was like the first vocal-led track from memory, yeah. track seven, and from an album point of view, looking at it as a body of work, I felt at that point this record really needed the vocal to show up. Um, Yep. And I'm a big fan of Georgia Ann Muldrow. I love her. Um, and I wanted to hear her sing. I wanted to hear her rap. And and that happened and that kind of got me. Um, when I compare it to Georgia Ann Muldrow releases versus Giotti releases, I feel as though I'm more inclined to want to listen to Georgia Ann Muldrow. And as such, uh, I'm going to give it a three-quarter latte. Strong, strong three-quarter latte. Okay. Well, I think... I'm going, uh, I've got no idea what I'm going to score this. And I think the fairest thing to do would be to take an average of my three scores this week and then give it that. All right. So, all right. Can you just do it? So, you yeah. went 7.5. <laughs> I think you've been like a straight 7.5, haven't you? Mm. Yeah, I think I have been. So, I'm going to give it a 7.5. All right. Yeah. I think that's the fairest thing to do because I just, I, I think this could be higher. Or it could be lower, but I, I I don't know. I need to sit with it for for a number of weeks and play this a lot, I think. I need to play it on a plane. I need to play it while I'm cooking an Ethiopian curry. I need to play it, you know, on a bus. I need to play it in all sorts of situations whereby I feel like I can get my head around it. But I, I do think it's an incredible piece of work. And I love the I love the experimentation on it like it just feels i love that freshness i love when people challenge themselves and challenge the listener and that's what gets me excited so yep let's just go 7.5 natalie i am gonna go 10 for this one i'm convinced whoa yeah <laughs> i'm very much convinced i also need to spend more time with it and sink it yeah, I, I definitely need to spend more time with it and sing into it. But, um, Are you saying it could go to eleven or something? Well, look, for, to be honest, what I wrote in my notes was the, that the Quakers album was a twelve, um, but then I was like, oh no, I guess we're we're restricted to ten. Um, and you know, and look, you yeah, got to yeah, yeah. you got to be positive about but, things. Um, if <laughs> if I like it, then I definitely like it, and I really do like this, and I look forward to spending more time with it, and and. Um, yeah, just vibing on it even more. So we've got a seven point five from Was. We've got a. I'm sitting in like the six realm as a three, a strong three. Whoa! No, sorry. What was three quarter latte? I don't even remember. I'm. I've, that's, well, that's so like seven point five. Seven point five. So, oh, I forget. That's six to eight. That's yeah. six to eight. So that's six to eight. 
Let's just leave it there. Natalie's <laughs> Natalie's thrown down a 10, but Natalie's grading scale is actually out of 12. So it's a 10 out of 12. It's a, twen- it's a 10 out of 12 um, for Natalie, which is a cortado. It's hard. I don't even know what 12 out of 12 is. That's like oh, double. It's like a double cortado. It's like a, a, a cup and a half. Not a 10 out of 12. The other one was a 12 out of 10. <laughs> That's no, no, a different, no, no, no. It's a ten out of ten. Oh, right. No, no, no. Oh. no you're, to- you're totally right. I, I stand corrected. So we've got it. So, so it's a ten out of ten, which is a fucking super quotado. Um, and uh, you know, and I, I think any time we want to do this podcast from now on and get the ratings right out there, we know who to call. Yeah. Now, That's yeah. Right. I, think, I think she's established herself as as the hundred percent, hundred and twenty percent. Uh, guest artist. So thank you for that. Which is perfect, which is a wonderful segue <laughs> okay. to... Because uh, all music is good. Correct. All music is good. Um, to finish off this week's uh, episode, Natalie, thank you so much for joining us. Um, just like, just to sign off, is there anything, you know, happening in, in, in your space outside of drinking strong coffees that, uh, that our listeners mm-hmm. should keep an eye on? Any shows coming up? Any new collabs? Anything that you can talk about or, or, or would talk about but can't talk about? Yeah, sure. Well, uh, in the next little while, I have uh, a stream to do. We're going to do an Eglo Records, Natalie Slade stream that will go up on Bandcamp. And I am actually a little unsure of the details. So I would recommend that you head to my Instagram page, which is underscore Natalie Slade, um, and give that a follow, and I will post the updates as I know them. Uh, Also, for people that are in Sydney, I have my one and only live show of 2020 coming up. Um, So Thursday the the 17th of December, I'm playing in Newtown uh, with my band, and a beautiful backing singer and uh, absolutely pumped to actually be in front of an audience again. Um, so that's a big one for me. Um, on the collabing front, there's there's talk of collabs, uh, but I don't know what's going to happen yet. So there's no point in me saying very much uh, other than, you know, I guess I'm, I'm back into a routine of, of just writing a lot and I I – Hope that maybe that'll lead to some interesting collabs here and there. Um, but yeah, no point in me, no point in me saying something's going to happen if it doesn't happen. So we'll see what twenty twenty one brings. It's, it's it's there's some epic stuff. It's going to be there's some epic stuff on the horizon, Ari. You know we can it. feel that. I I know it. <laughs> and look for anyone that follows us on Instagram. It may well be cryptically inserted into Natalie's curry recipe <laughs> that has just arrived yeah. on our Facebook chats. So look, read yeah. between the lines, ladies and gentlemen. Read between yeah. the lines. Um, <laughs> Natalie, thank you again for joining us um, on the All Music is Good podcast. Waza, thank you again, our spiritual leader, for uh, holding it together, even if you got a bit mushy on the cabbage. Um, yeah. We, uh, we're so thrilled to have you, Natalie. <laughs> we wish you nothing but but success and, and, uh, and uh, you. you know, creativity and, and magic with all the stuff you're making. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Thank this has been you. All Music is Good podcast, and we'll see you next week.